1: I'm gonna
0: break your heart
1: And welcome back to Movies for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Michelle Egan.
2: And I am your other co-host, Brian Kuiper. It's cold out.
1: It's cold out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it and is. So, so
2: uh, we got to talk we, about
1: some cold movies.
2: Yeah. So snow, we're stuck in the snow. I'm. We haven't honestly had that much snow here. I did have a couple of delays at school. Two hour delays are the best because you like get pretty much a half day, but. You don't have to make them up at the end of the year. So that's great.
1: There you go. We've had some snow, but it's mostly just been really, really cold. We're finally coming out of like the negative wind chills. Thank oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, that was awful.
2: Yeah. I, I know that there was like a big snowstorm that took over like half the country <laughs> recently. Yeah. So um, we thought, hey, it's winter. Let's get stuck in the snow. Let's talk about stuff. That is Snowbound. That's where these movies are today. Um, One of them was new to me, and the other one was very, 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 very familiar (laughs) to both of us. Uh, So this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, So first up, what do we got first?
1: Uh, For me, we have from 2011, The Grey. A movie I've been trying to get Brian to watch for a long time, because I told him it was really good, and now he knows that it is. It
2: is good. It's not what I expected and that's one of the things yeah. I like about it um, So the other one that we're gonna cover was sort of like the basic bitch answer what's a snowbound movie Brian that you would like to talk about I want to talk about the Cohen's 1996 masterpiece
1: Fargo yeah so uh, and the more I, don't I really watch care if it's a basic bitch movie though because yeah. I love this movie and I, I'm really excited to talk about it the more <laughs> no. I watch it
2: the more I'm convinced it is a perfect movie. It is with not a extraneous frame in the film. It is perfect. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about that one. Yeah, uh, we've it,
1: already been like judging, laughing for the past Yeah,
0: judging from
2: our off-mic conversation, <laughs> you're in for something when we talk about Fargo. Uh, anyway,
1: we're... But first, we have to get through the gray. We gotta, it's a little bit more serious. Gray we is gotta, much
2: more serious.
1: Uh, bring it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Not that, but that's a not great that movie. the murder
2: of five people isn't serious. But six people, I guess. There are six people that die in that movie, um, even though they only <laughs> count five. Uh, is, is So uh, the gray is... you know Okay, so this was my first time watching it. I watched it twice because uh, I wanted to watch it once where I just watched it and wasn't mm-hmm. taking notes or anything like that. And... I was very pleasantly surprised because my impressions of this movie have always been, you know, ever since I, the previews came out back in 2011, were, oh, so it's like a Jack London thing. It's uh, Liam Neeson out surviving in the wilderness and there are wolves. Who gives a shit that's not that interesting to me? No, if, no offense to Jack London, great writer and all. <laughs> Good stuff to build a fire. White Fang, great. Call of the Wild, wonderful. But it just wasn't something I was that sounded particularly interesting for a movie to me. So I just have just avoided this movie over the years. And animal attack movies are not not my biggest deal to me. They're okay. I love obviously. I mean that hurts. I (laughs) love Jaws. I love. You know, movies like Arachnophobia, we've talked about those, the birds. I You know, I like them, but it's not something that I seek out exactly. But this mm-hmm. is more than, quote unquote, just an animal attack movie. I,
0: Absolutely. You know,
2: I don't mean it, it to be derogatory when I say that. But um, there's just a lot going on here that I wasn't expecting. And I think for me, I think just really compelling explorations of... Manhood and death and survival and providence and God and not God and all, all of these sort of yeah. the big philosophical questions that come into this made it really compelling. Uh, so I was very pleasantly surprised by how much I liked this movie. I would actually, if we weren't talking about it now, would probably be like, this is a discovery of the year kind of material for me, you know, Hey, awesome. um, it would probably end up somewhere on my, I don't know if it would necessarily, I mean, it's the beginning of the year, so I don't know if it would necessarily stay all the way at the top right. of the list by the end of the year. But I mean, I, I think of the Handful. There are four or five that I've watched already that I really loved. So, and this would be one of them. So,
1: I definitely had a feeling that that was going to be your reaction because, yeah. To be honest, that's maybe why I initially watched this movie was because it was kind of advertised as Liam Neeson fighting wolves, which uh-huh. honestly sounded like kind of fun to me. Sure. But then you actually watch it and you get something completely different that is yeah, like very questioning about life and death and very emotional and one element that I love the most is kind of the male bonding um, aspect to it. This is really reminiscent of Deliverance to me in a way. It is,
2: yeah. I thought the same thing or Rituals kept coming into mind too. Have you seen Rituals? Yeah, it's sort of a Deliverance ripoff but it's better than that. Um, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's worth seeing. It's worth checking out.
1: Because this was kind of in the era of Liam Neeson becoming like an action star, right? Right. Still? So that's what people I think were expecting from this. I, I, you just get something
0: yeah.
2: so much better. I thought it was going to be Taken this. with Wolves. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> Which <laughs> and nothing I think gets get... Taken.
2: Taken was a no, fine, it's fine movie. It was. It was sort of like I never expected in my life that Oscar Schindler would be an action star, you know? <laughs>
1: Right? I kind of so, love them. <laughs> but it's kind of great. He's yeah. great. So you kind of get, like, so the basic story here that we get from the beginning, Um, he does, like, a little voiceover. And this is obviously the character that Liam Neeson plays, John Otway. You, you kind of get that he's a very troubled character in a way that we're... Not entirely sure of yet because we just get, like, little bits of, like, what's going on here. Obviously, they're in Alaska and they work for, like, a big oil company. Um, but he's not uh, – he's kind of a loner. He's off on his own in his own head about certain things, you know. Um, we have visions of him and a woman, obviously his wife, or we, we assume is his wife. He misses yeah. her. He feels kind of useless in the world. and um, And we get some pretty – He says things
2: like, I lost um, you and I can't get you back. You know, yeah. what does that mean exactly? We don't know at this point. And we don't really know for sure until the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. You we know. see yeah, we see that his job there, he doesn't he's not the same as the other guys. His job is to uh protect the oil workers from uh wolf attacks, like, like kind of a sniper that yeah. kills them. Um and we hear a certain poem for the first time here right at the beginning, which becomes very important. I actually it wasn't until, I think, this viewing that I fully understood what that poem meant, like, in terms of the end of the movie. It's when I fi- it finally kind of clicked a little bit more for me.
2: Yeah, I. so the once more into the fray, to the last good fight I'll ever know, um, live and die on this day, live and die on this day. Um, that, I, that idea of living and dying
0: mm-hmm.
2: simultaneously is a key thematic element of the entire movie i think that is the core that um you really do you have you ever really lived until you face death i think is until you've really stared down the eye yeah. of death and that is what this entire film's about ultimately
1: it's a weird conflict with his character mm-hmm. too because like throughout the whole movie because he becomes sort of the leader in the movie and seems to fight really uh, hard to survive. But again, you know, one of the first scenes we see is him, you know, kneeling in the snow with the the rifle yeah. in his mouth.
2: He's, gonna, he's going to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, but something stops him.
1: So we know this is a yeah. character that... Is
2: in conflict.
1: In some way wants yeah. to die.
2: And ironically, through the course of facing multiple <laughs> opportunities to die. He's the one that lives mm-hmm. the longest. I mean, it, it, I'm sure people have watched <laughs> either. If you're listening to this, you've probably watched the movie um, or oh, yeah, yeah. Be- because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the, that's the key. Now, what I didn't expect was that there to be. Okay. So the setup ultimately becomes then they're in a yeah. plane crash and there are, and th- it's mostly men. It's, There's a stewardess that's in this movie for 10 seconds, Uh, you know, but uh, so there's one woman in the movie besides his wife, of course, who we see intermittently throughout the film. But so seven men survive this plane crash and um, it goes from there is what it comes down to. And they live a lot longer than I expect. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I, th- I really thought most of the movie was going to be Liam Neeson on his oh, own. Oh,
1: just on his own? Right. Yeah. That's kind of how it was advertised again. It was. You, you thought it was. I didn't know. It was mm-hmm. like all these other characters in there, too. Yeah. But before we get into like kind of the story, but in, just in terms of filmmaking, can we just talk about the plane crash sequence? Oh, yeah, of course. Because I think it's one of the best that yeah, I've ever I mean, seen.
0: Yeah
2: it really is and because there there are a few that come to mind i mean like alive i thought had a pretty good one um where you know the whole tail piece comes off the thing and it's a big and dramatic and final destination <laughs> i <Sure>. suppose <laughs> um uh there, there was another one i was oh uh, fight club it was another one where you know he imagines yeah. the whole plane falling apart around him
1: i can't this remember one... it specifically but um fearless had a great oh yeah i've never seen fearless too. but I'm, oh it's so good uh, yeah you love I've, it and
2: i've heard that i've heard that and one of the things i like about the plane crash sequence is there's a certain amount of intimacy in it as exactly. well exactly
1: so the director uh, joe carnahan he was on an episode of adam green and joe lynch's podcast the movie crypt a few right. years ago and mm-hmm. they used to do this thing where like listeners could tweet at them questions that they wanted to ask the the guests so actually, when I heard that Joe Carnahan was gonna be on, uh, my question, I wanted to know about the plane crash sequence. So he actually answered mm-hmm. that. I just wanted him oh, to like awesome. just kind of describe describe the filming of it. and he I liked it the way that he talked about it too, because he explained it really well, the why he filmed it the way that he did. And like you said, there's like an intimacy about it because the way that you're you would actually experience a plane crash is like you would never see the outside of the plane. You, right. you would never go outside of the fuselage of the plane, like, you know, because there, usually there's always like a, a wide shot of the plane, it would be like mm-hmm. bucking or something in the storm from outside yeah. or whatever. But uh, this sequence never does it like that. Like you start off with that really great shot where it kind of pulls back, and it's dark, and then you see everybody's breath coming out yeah. so they're, they're sitting in a plane like oh that's not good And that's one of the things where something
2: is clearly <laughs> yeah. wrong where they're feeling you know that there's ice on the inside of the yeah. windows so there's some sort of break in the in the seal yeah uh, and you know you see the sparks coming out of the cockpit and stuff and it's like that's really not good
1: yeah you see like his view of the wing like you mm-hmm. know outside of the window and it's not yeah i just i really like it because it's kind of the big action sequence of the movie, but it's not really that big of an action sequence, but you still get what's happening. Like, even yeah. though he keeps the shots like really tight, mostly on Liam Neeson. like you see, like when they all kind of like fly out of their seats a little bit, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so the plane is obviously like turning or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and then um, the, the final shot where he's got the oxygen mask you know over and then you mm-hmm. see that there the trees and the snow behind him you're like oh okay so now he's not even in the plane where well, that's not good <laughs>
2: and, it's and the just, way the sound yes, cuts in and out yeah. during that is really it's effective like, eh, i like eh, how yeah. i like how he straps himself in with the seat belt and then he sort of cuz he, he he kicks f- what uh flannery out of his <laughs>
1: hey he, he i wouldn't want to talk to him either he's annoying
2: i i know flannery <laughs> when he when he called werner herzog an asshole i was like i i'm done with this guy.
1: i totally forgot about that line and i'm watching it again that I just, line is so i laughed funny. especially and, you know, thinking like, of you watching it <laughs> what's
2: what's that movie about that made by that that asshole made about that yeah f- i know yeah. guy who loves bears yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> And so it's like, that guy better die. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But he just, he leans over and he sort of straps himself in with that seatbelt too. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, a conflict
1: within the character. He's very Mm -hmm. calm in this moment and he does, this could be a really easy way for him to to go out, you know, not fight at all. But he doesn't. He still, he straps himself in and he seems very calm and like he knows he knows what to do to prepare himself for a crash landing. You know? Yeah. I just think that's very interesting. Like to watch him do that throughout the whole movie. No. When we know from the beginning that this is something that he's probably been contemplating for a long time since his wife died, probably, you
0: know?
2: Yeah. And it's very clearly that clear that he doesn't really, there's a fight in him. There's Mm -hmm. a, something that's making him driving him to keep going. Oh, and and, you know, you constantly cut back to his wife saying, "Who is you know dressed in white?" And she's in lying in bed. She's wearing diamond earrings, so it's sort of there's sort of a angelic Angelic. presence to her. You know, I think she's off sometimes. Like when he wakes up, this is a great scene, great moment. The transition. They're under the covers. They're under the covers Mm -hmm. together. Yeah, and then it just that gets pulled away, and he's out in the elements. Yeah. That's great.
1: The white of the sheets versus the white of the snow that he's in. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we find out at the end, we don't really find out for sure why she's gone until the end is because, and they don't spell it out. They just show that this whole time, whenever he goes back to that place in his mind, it's a hospital room and you see the drip and you assume that it's cancer or something like that. and. But I like, I mean, you get it. You get the point. Okay. He's not getting her back because she's dead. She is, you right. cannot connect, you know, reconnect with that. And so one of my questions, one of the questions that he asks is like, what would drive a man to the end of the world like this? And, you know, with, he, he describes the people that he works with as people as men unfit for mankind. Yeah. And I think that's a, great line you know talking about they're all ex-cons or mm-hmm. burnouts whatever and then you get to know them because he doesn't really know these people he just he's
1: they don't even know each other's first names
2: no they don't know each other's first names uh and so they just call each other all by their last names throughout the entire movie and it's kind of a big revelation mm-hmm. when diaz and otway have the same first <laughs> john
0: name. john yeah
2: and so yeah and, I like and that moment. You cannot imagine two more different characters than John Otway and John Diaz. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I really like all of that stuff.
1: And yeah, what is she always, yeah. she's always telling him not to be afraid. do be afraid. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which is interesting when the conversation of fear comes up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. After the plane crash and they start to kind of come together, he becomes sort of the default leader. Mm-hmm. Just the way he kind of takes charge, and especially when they come across uh, Lewinden, the the first guy that they see die, and he talks him through that. That's exactly. That's a fabulous scene. It's a great scene, and that
2: was exactly what I was going to mention right now. And it was you get it's sort of like it's almost like a in doctor's sleep, you know.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) 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 Except it's more of a non supernatural (laughs) version of that. But He just he sees t- that
1: he's mortally mm-hmm. wounded and that yeah. there's nothing he can anybody can do for him. And I like that he's honest. Yeah. He's honest about it. He's like, You're it, gonna die.
2: You're gonna die. And the way he talks him through it is like he's done it before.
1: I know. Like that is that him and his wife?
2: That's what I'm Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You know, just imagine your you know, is your child or whatever, he, or he has him think about, and yeah. you know, guiding him. Let off her. Let into her take
1: you. Death. Yeah.
2: Let her take That's you, a good and yeah, and it, I kind of got a little chill just now, just thinking about the sequence. It's really well, yeah. The movie deals with death in a really profound way, and it's very unexpected for what is so often classified this is classified as an action
1: movie i know it's like an action thriller it's like i would consider it more of a drama honestly drama
2: yeah because it's it's just deals with these things because the thing about action movies and horror movies and things like death is just sort of a thing that happens it's never Mm. rarely is it really a big deal you know especially think about you know a movie like Die Hard or something like that how many people does John McClane kill and you don't give a shit in that movie Every single you know I
1: mean? death in this movie is like heartbreaking Felt. And you yeah. feel it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even the ones you don't see.
2: Yeah, and it's like you you only know what you need to know about any of the characters because mm. it's so it's very uh it's concise in its storytelling. It it gives you the information that you need and enough to really, you have enough of a connection with each one of these people to really feel their loss. And I think that's effective.
1: The conversations that they have and the lines that they have and the way that they still, what I really like, um, I I love seeing men be emotional, especially with Mm -hmm. each other and not being afraid Mm -hmm. to be emotional with each other. Yeah. but then they also know how to like break it up and and still talk about like guy things at the same time, so yeah <laughs> to kind of like break that tension a little bit. That's what makes they you do. love I, them, I think,
2: yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I I'll save it for the fire right. when we talk about the fire <laughs> I know. scene. But just the way that breaks up is really
1: It felt so real. It works. Isn't I mean it, it, shouldn't, real? it yeah. shouldn't
2: it should be jarring that conversation, but it's actually really effective. Mm. So I don't think it's an accident that there are seven survivors, you know, seven being sort of a, a mystical number in a lot of ways, as sort of a, quote unquote the perfect number, the number of Providence you know, the number of God, if you will. I mean, it's just sort of like a perfect... And, and it's effective storytelling. It's like, okay, we got seven people. We know that we have seven. And you just <laughs> gotta knock them, knock off, them one off one yeah. at a time. But in a way that, it, like we've already said, is really strongly felt. Mm. They're not just cannon fodder or <laughs> dog food, as it were.
0: Uh,
2: uh, but, well, you know what I mean, yeah, though. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, so... So these other guys...
1: Um, that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, of the Survivors, um, John Diaz played by Frank Grillo, um, mm-hmm. Jerome Talgett, played by Dermot Mulroney, and one of my favorites I wish I would love to see him just in everything, is Dallas Roberts as Pete Henrick. I love him.
2: <laughs> yeah. Nonso and, and as uh Burke. As Burke, yeah, Burke is really I, 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 I re- Burke is an interesting character. I mean he yeah, he's that's a real kind of that's a really heartbreaking yes. thing because you know it's it's not the way he dies is so just kind of stupid you mm-hmm. know in, in a way
1: hernandez is another one but he doesn't uh last that long
2: yeah yeah and and flannery doesn't really last that long either yeah. and and the thing is even by the time flannery is taken out you're kind of like oh man even though you kind of are prime to dislike him in sure. the early part of the movie his life becomes valuable as it goes along because everyone's life becomes valuable mm-hmm. everyone's life is valuable and that i think is effective i mean
1: as much as they are yeah annoyed by each other sometimes they never yeah. they never lose that they want everybody to mm-hmm. survive you know they're never gonna like not fight for everybody to get through this yeah
2: as i i As I was watching this, I was also thinking, it seems like there are a lot of sort of poetic symbols in this movie. You know, the snow uh, is a, I mean, a very Robert Frost sort of symbol of death. Um, (laughs) And then you have, of course, the wolves. wolves. But I think, I don't know, the wolves are, uh, they're, they're constantly there. They're kind of a constant... Background threat, you can hear them. Mm-hmm. The attacks are actually more rare than I thought they were going to be, and you don't see every single attack. And th- there's something about it, about you know, nature and being primal, and sort of that instinctual side of humanity that's represented there, too. I think, mm-hmm. um, that is really interesting. I think fire is an important, you know, sign of like civilization of life. It's sort of the opposite of all those things. The wallets being a reminder of their lives outside of what they're, this What they're fighting for. Place. Yeah, what they're fighting for. <laughs> Booze comes up a lot sure. <laughs> in it. The watch is kind of this thing. It's like, oh, this is going to save us. This, this thing that was made by humans. Yeah. This human ingenuity is going to save us and it doesn't. Not um, in the environment, is, no. Yeah, not in that environment. The letter of course, is a important connection to something else out there uh, for Otway in particular. Um, it, it, and What's you that? know cr- cr- crossing of chasms and <laughs> things like that happen a lot. Sure. I mean, you've got the crossing of just the expanse from the plain to the trees. then of course a literal cliff to the to the trees, the river. There are so many things in this that are, I I know the first rule of symbolism is, (laughs) according to Roger Ebert, is if you have to ask what does this symbolize, it didn't. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But at the same time, some of it is like, there's more to some of these things than I think I process on a first viewing, you know? um so they just kind of deepen as i sort of ruminate on it
1: i think everything about this to me has always just been kind of like yeah like i get it i get it right away like this was the perfect environment and the perfect situation for this character's story yeah i would say and it just kind of yeah it all falls together really well yeah without yeah. being so in your face about it yeah with the symbolism yeah. you just kind of get it To me, that's how it's always been to me.
2: You know, and if I had to say what the booze represents, I think it represents complacency because you have two people in this early early on here. Hernandez, you know, he's gotten into the booze and the food and stuff like that. He's taken a piss. He's not paying attention and he gets taken out. Can you imagine, standing out there taking a (laughs) waz and a wolf just jumps on you and eats you. It doesn't even eat him. They just kill him. It's like a show of power on their, you know, of territoriality on their part. It's not even a for survival on their part kind of situation. It's a a show of strength and dominance. And so they find him in the morning and it's like, oh, shit.
1: I like that scene, though, when you kind of first see the wolves, though, it's when... um, Mm Otway thinks he's found another survivor he Mm -hmm. He sees the woman the uh, the, the, the flight attendant yeah and she's kind of moving so he thinks Mm -hmm. that she's alive but really it's a wolf that's eating her and it's just like for one you see how aggressive they are and how fucking big they are yeah for one thing because it attacks him a little bit until the other guys like um, run up and scare it away then um, that's when he kind of gives the lowdown on wolves like we got to have somebody get the lowdown on how how wolves operate you know because yeah. <laughs> at least in this movie <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know how much
2: of this is true uh, but it is fascinating yeah because um, it's like they he's talking about the radius of mm-hmm. their territory and then the radius of their like kill range yeah
0: um, from their so den. Within,
2: from okay. their den they're more aggressive if you're within their kill radius of 30 miles It's ironic when you get to the end that if they had gone the other way, they would have moved out of the kill range. Instead, they're moving farther (laughs) towards
1: it. it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it does make sense for like he says in the movie, it makes sense that he would if he's hired to kill these things, you know, to protect these yeah. guys that, that he should know like how they work or whatever. So that, yeah. that doesn't make sense. It's not just like as a, Hey, there just happens to be somebody that knows nothing about wolves, you know, sure. when that's kind of our, one of our main antagonists in the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's his job. And so it makes yeah. sense. Um, but then, you know, when, when they're going to make for the trees and Diaz says, all right. And, and, way I before that says, "Hey, we should uh, collect the wallets." Uh-huh. You Diaz know, it's just yeah. so the yeah. This Diaz, when... you know, he's like he cracks one of the bottles of liquor, and he's sitting down. It's like, all right, it's like you just waste as much time as you need collected wallets. So I waste time of my own with Jack Daniels. There's
1: always got to be one character in like a survival a situation like this who's like there nothing we do really matters there are no rules here we can go wow that's yeah. that's the diaz character he becomes rather annoying too at the beginning i would say because all and the I other guys so, want to work together to survive mm-hmm. and he is not willing to help um, he does not respect Otway's authority i would say like oh, the way wow. that other the other guys do because at least he's They just they do kind of follow him because he does seem to know, like, what he's talking about. And he comes up with good ideas for, like, how they can survive, even though maybe they should have stayed near the plane crash. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Well, one of the things that I think Otway is not
2: infallible as a leader. No, of course not. Because, I mean, he He admits it. Yeah. He even says, you know, shelter something. I don't know. He even says that. I don't Mm -hmm.
1: know. He's just coming up with ideas. Like. He's
2: just coming up with something. It's like the do something. I ha- We have to, we should do something because if we don't do anything, well, well, not necessarily. I mean, he could be wrong. I mm-hmm. mean, in this situation, he could be, in fact, moving them closer to the den, which it, by the end of the <laughs> movie, <is>. we <laughs> find out that's exactly what he's done. Um, and well, whereas I... if they had stayed with the plane, they might have been able to build some kinds of protection that's where theoretically rescuers would look. Yeah. You know, is at the crash itself? Um, Cause they're probably going to see all those dead bodies and just go, Oh, well,
1: everyone's dead.
2: Everyone's dead. Sure. And, and the end of search. So yeah, I, I, find it, I find it interesting that he's not a perfect character by any means. And I think that is much more real and much more interesting than sure. if he is, you know, infallible and always right.
1: Sure. There are certain things that I like, um, just like little moments about the way that um, some of these scenes are filmed, like the when they're walking toward the line of trees, uh-huh. and I don't know, some, there's something about like I. That's when uh, Flannery gets attacked. Um, and killed but something about like the way that carnahan like films it like when they're walking in the snow that's really deep and he but he keeps the shot to where like you can't really see that far in front of them because that that's to me that felt like i mean that's what it feels like if you've ever like been all bundled up and it's freaking cold and you're walking in really deep snow like when you're so cold and uncomfortable and everything like you can really only focus on like what is directly in front of you in the moment and that's kind of what some of that feels like. So I thought that was a really, I just, I don't know. I kind of, I noticed that this time as something like a really kind of smart move to get you like in with the characters and their situation. Yeah,
2: Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So yeah, Flurry gets taken out. They make it to the trees. They build a fire. Yeah. And they come up with or um, Otway comes up with the whole bang stick idea <laughs> with the, uh-huh. the which bullets, is cool. which is cool. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. The shotgun shells. Um, but then this is where you have the conversation about fear.
1: Hmm?
2: Uh, Diaz says he's not afraid, and uh, Otway says he's terrified.
1: Yeah, so you don't and, you don't need all that you know puff chest nonsense. Like, what's yeah. wrong with being scared? And says, it's a, that's a very valid question. Like, this is exactly when you should be scared is this kind of situation. Like, come on.
2: Yeah, yeah. And he says to him, it's like, if you're not scared, you're a fool, and worse, you're a fucking liar. Yep. (laughs) And I think that's... That's well said. Because, I mean, who would not be scared in that moment? Yeah. There's There's a line from Star Trek The Next Generation where Worf the Klingon, you know, says the line, only fools have no fear. Courage is not the lack of fear it's going through with something even though you are afraid and that's i think the idea that's getting at here uh sorry to bring star trek into this, but you know it sounds corny but it's actually a pretty good line
1: well and then he gets like kind of humbled when um a wolf comes up and he gets like face to face with a wolf and there's like great like visual representation of like what's happening and you see the wolf take one step forward and then he, Uh he takes one step back and it's like yeah, you're scared, bitch. Just admit it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the, that's um, when you see it in his face. He's like, okay, yeah. I am definitely and scared. The,
2: <laughs> and, you know, the animatronics and the wolf effects, the practical wolf effects... Are really effective. Mm. I mean, it's um, uh, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger uh, doing these, which they've they've done a lot of animals stuff. They did uh, the buffalo in uh, Dances with Wolves. They did, uh, I think they did the horse stuff in Braveheart. As well. I'm not positive about that. I could be wrong about that one, but it looks really good. I gotta say it's, it's, and then, um, I, it's combined with some computer generated imagery and I think some real wolves as well. Um, that all looks pretty good. You know, none of it takes me out of the movie in any way.
1: I like that you can, um, or that they very rarely show like the full wolf too, like yeah. the full body. It's mostly just like mm-hmm. part parts of it. Yep. Yeah. Or like that great yeah. um, shot where um, he's got the torch and you just see the, the all yeah. the eyes <laughs> in the dark. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> good
2: moment. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting is these wolves are not particularly gray. <laughs> you call the movie the gray but the wolves are most of them are really dark and you know they're like almost black the alphas so anyway I uh, <laughs> yeah i just i just thought that was interesting it's like the gray means more than just the wolves i think that there's the elements there's the, elements, the weather yeah. yeah all kinds of things happening that are and you know the gray areas of life if you want to get overly philosophical i suppose no
1: that's what i was gonna say uh, too yeah
2: yeah now this uh, little part where <laughs> diaz gets attacked by the omega
1: in the middle of him know, just apologizing sort of, it's that's yeah. such a good little moment too and he's uh-huh. like i'm sorry for being a jerk <laughs> and then he yeah. the bang stick works that, that the bang stick works <laughs> yeah. and it's like and again they have kind of have a fun little like guy moment when diaz uh is Going a little crazy, like killing the wolf. And they're, I think you they're got like, him. I think you got him. And they're like, kind of <laughs> laughing. <laughs> yeah. They're razzing him, I think, like guys would. But it's just, yeah. it, it doesn't, it still doesn't feel like not natural, even in this like no. extreme situation. It's, it
2: works. Cause I think, I think you would, I think that would be a partial reaction, would be a little bit of levity. Yeah. Would come up. You would just, if you, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Um, but then it's like, we're going to, they decide to cook the thing, which is- Shove a
1: stick up this thing's ass and eat it. And eat, <laughs> eat it.
2: Yeah. And, and again, they're trying to show, make a show of power. Yeah. Make dominance a show of dominance by doing wolves. that. Oh. You know, and then when Diaz goes nuts and just-
1: Cuts his head off. its <laughs> its head
2: and- um, and the, some of the, I think it's Talget, Talget is like, stop, man, this is too much. And it's like, and Otway says, no, let him have it. Let him have this. Mm-hmm. And so he takes the wolf's head off and just says, you know, come on, come and get us motherfuckers. You know, You're
1: not <laughs> the animals, we're the animals, which yeah. is, where the thing about, uh, you know, humans can be the real animals mm-hmm. sometimes in, in situations yeah. because- Actual animals are just doing, being animals, animals doing what they were born Born just what what they do. But we have Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a choice. That's a good. There's not so much of that going on, but that in this movie. But that line, that was really interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: This is I love this. I love the scene around the campfire too. Yeah.
2: This this is the longest campfire scene, and in fact, it's shortened. I watched the deleted scene uh, where it's extended. It's a little longer. And it's, it's kind of worth checking out. Um, I think they cut it in the right spots, but it's it's just a really good... You know, Talgert, Talget, I'm sorry, I got his...
1: Sh- Talget. I
2: don't know why I, Talget.
1: Talking about faith, yeah.
2: His idea of there must have been a reason why we survive. And some people see the world that way. And then other people like, you know, Diaz is the opposite. It's like, no, this is just blind luck. Or unlock, if you will.
1: Hernandez survived. Lewinden survived the crash. They're all. Yeah. they're both gone. now. They're dead. They're no. dead. And then John kind
2: Reaction is interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's kind of ha- what I would say too. Yeah. It's like I, I wish, I'm, I really wish I could believe in that, but in this situation right now, like uh, all I know that is real is the cold and the wolves and the and breath, the breath in my my, yeah. my lungs. Yeah, I'm worried I'm worried about this world, not the next. Yeah. And I think it's interesting
2: where Talget asks him, well, what about your faith? And he says, what about it? It's an interesting thing that after that he would ask him yeah. about his faith and so, say, it's, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's important. It's like, and it's, and it's like, he kind of just said he didn't have any, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. And so, yeah. and, and in the longer cut of the scene, Talget asks him, are you an atheist? And he says, no, I'm a realist. And, and it's a, uh, I don't know. I th- I kind of wish that exchange was still in the movie.
1: I mean, you kind of he, uh, I, says, think it's, uh, he basically I think it's says also implied. Thing. Yeah.
2: It's 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 pretty much implied. So it's not spelled out as thoroughly, um which is okay too. But then you have Burke having Who, sort of this
1: He's very he's dif- different kind of sick than the rest yeah, of the guys. He's he, altitude sickness. It's affecting him more than the other guys and he's coughing all the time and
2: and he's seeing someone named Emma. She was here, and then yes. Yeah, so well, who's Emma? Because like I said, most of these guys don't really know each other. And then uh, I can't remember Henrik. who it was. Henrik says it was it was his uh, sister died when he was a kid. It's sort of like is it a trick of the brain or is it the world beyond connecting with through the veil somehow? I mean, there's there's a lot of ambiguity there that I think is really um, nicely played. And I, I, I like the way it's all played. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't show its hand too far one way or the other. And I mm-hmm. think that's uh, well done.
1: I like that there's in that line too from Henrik that, that it's not from John or something. It just kind of gives more of a connection with the other guys because, yeah, mm-hmm. he's always the main person here, but everybody definitely gets their moments.
2: And Henrik seems like he almost has... It's almost like he was the like the psychologist, or they don't really he's say very ab- he has sort of absorbent. like the, he, yeah, he has sort of a a doctor kind of vibe.
1: to He does, him. or like a professor vibe. Yeah,
2: yeah. So they never really say if he's like if he was like medical personnel for the place or or what. Well, but he's he the seems one to know that stuff.
1: Yeah, he's the one that says that Burke has hypoxia, and he's like that he's yeah. not getting enough oxygen in his brain. That's Which why is a medical. Yeah. it's a
2: medical term how many people just off the top of their head know hypoxia right <laughs> uh, so I just thought that was uh, interesting and it sort of like you never learn too much about any of them including Otway really hmm? and it, you never learn more than you need to like, yeah, like and, you said
1: it's just just enough to uh, like them to see yeah. I don't know, to, to, in some of them to see the change that occurs and yeah. especially Diaz I don't know Mostly, sure, you know, sure.
2: and the rest of this conversation where they're just talking about their families.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, sorry Talget, with about his daughter, Mary, daughter and her hair, her long hair.
2: He would tickle his face with it, which comes back and it's, yeah, I don't
1: know. I know. <laughs> it's it's
2: kind of lovely but disturbing. Sure. <laughs> when it comes back and then Diaz well, talking all, about,
1: well, Alway tells him like when he's telling after he's been telling that story, he's like, okay. That's, he basically tells them that's what you're fighting for while you're out here.
2: That's what you're fighting for. It's like, and, and then, then DS says, <laughs> I, I just want to fuck one more time. I don't want to go out on the last piece of ass I had.
1: That's the moment I was talking about where it's like, that's... This, that's when this feels really real like these guys are comfortable yeah. being vulnerable with each other because of the situation they're in but they're also guys you know so they <laughs> of like, course they're gonna like joke and, and, and laugh about this stuff Talget yeah.
2: even kind of says like, like I was, I was telling t- a
1: nice, <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. little
2: story about my daughter and he's like <laughs> yeah. he, and he's like and Diaz is like I'm sorry I, I, no, no I, I didn't mean that I, it's, and they're just kind of like it's, hey, it's all good it's all yeah. good you know, that, I, I, like I, that. I love that it feels very natural feels mm-hmm. very natural I mean even when they're eat before that when they're eating the wolf and they're talking about how nasty it is, it tastes like dog yeah. shit and you right. know <laughs> it's gristly and I'm stuff. More and they're just person. sort of I'm more of a cat person. They're just kind of saying these things that are, yeah. and, you know, Otway kind of this the line he kind of repeats him his line a little bit and there are different things like that that sort of pepper into these moments that make him feel less scripted, make him feel much more natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, A lot of this movie does. effective. Yeah.
1: I like when um, there are certain scenes that are just kind of left to play out. It feels very natural. And these actors yeah. are definitely talented to uh, pull that off and make it feel really real in the moment.
2: Yeah. Dermot R- Mulroney as Talget really surprised me in this movie. I didn't even recognize him for the he longest time. He does look different, time.
1: doesn't he? Yeah.
2: He looks so different. He's wearing those big glasses and
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, he's sort of bundled up, but... Uh, he's just one of those actors where he's always good, but I, I hadn't seen him do something that was really different from the other stuff I'd seen him do, you know? And so it was it was really effective to see him in, in that way. Uh, well, and for yeah, me... I know, he, he was in Scream 6, so... Right. <laughs> <laughs> <It was like laughs>
1: well, and for me, Dallas Roberts, um, he's a great little, like... Um, you, maybe you don't know his name but you you know his face and mm-hmm. he's he's fantastic i know him mostly from um law and order svu again where he sure. plays like a really horrible serial killer <laughs> just like right. really creepy and awful but here he's uh all of them are just so s- emotional and nice and vulnerable and like yeah uh i love all these guys um, yeah. Otway talks about his dad here too. And the, yeah, well,
2: I mean, he talks about how he wasn't without love. I think that's an interesting way mm-hmm. to put it. Yeah. You, you don't say, Yeah, my father loved us. No, you say he wasn't without love. I mean, that's, that's a pretty qualified description of him. Well, he, and talks, he talks about, about how he's he
1: like the typical, tough, like Irish fucker,
2: stereotypical Irish stereotype. Yeah.
1: Basically, I would say. I think he's saying like he's kind of like the epitome of masculinity or like yeah. the representation of, you know, from the, of this movie where they're kind of, yeah. that's why this is reminds me so much of Deliverance too. It's like, it's all that kind oh, of yeah. talk too.
2: But then he has this sensitive artistic element. Yeah. We
1: find out poetry. that he wrote the poem that uh, we heard at the beginning of the movie. His dad did.
2: And he had it framed on the wall, he read it at his funeral. Um, so... Now, then there's, they get hit by this blizzard overnight and Burke freezes to death. But I mean, That's, if you're going to uh, go that way, I mean, he was asleep probably and probably just drifted off.
1: Probably wasn't even aware in the moment.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, he's, of all of these guys, he's kind of the luckiest. <laughs> in a way you know you hate to say it that way yeah he doesn't get yeah i mean or drown or (laughs) but there's there's one that's sort of a question whether what happens to him exactly and uh, that i don't know we'll we'll get to that
1: yeah so this is um, such a great way to film this part though because you just you see the guys all laying down just bundled up not able to do anything against this blizzard they just have to like yeah. ride it out and you see otway just like screaming and hitting a Burke to wake up and uh it's just yeah you know exactly what's happening and it's just it's awful
2: he he's just like railing against death
1: because they're losing their numbers pretty quick here and it never yeah. really stops no they think um, they're after this blizzard they think they find like some kind of Possible safe haven when they hear the river, and they're you hear know the river. You always but <laughs> head towards the river. They find it, and there's a giant. There's ass a cliff, cliff there. <laughs> it's so, so when Hendrik
2: pulls the Rambo maneuver,
1: here, <laughs> he jumps
2: from the cliff into the trees. That's a literal leap of faith. Right you know, there, you go. What is on the other side, he does not know. I don't know if a guy like Henrik is really going to
1: make it or not, but
2: um, it's okay. Uh, hey, you know, get on him for he, he, being he,
1: the one to make the jump, though. I mean, say, come on, I'm going
2: to do it, and he's sort of like, if I die, so be it. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's something. You know, Talgert being afraid of heights, mm. of course, and just sort of psyching himself up. But he's doing okay at first when he's crossing the
1: well,
2: yeah. crossing the chasm. And then he loses his glasses. The glasses falls off, fall off.
1: Well, I think again, that's too. like a loss of yeah.
2: vision, a loss of of focus. And then you know his things start going wrong. His scarf or clothes gets caught up in that the buckle or something like that on the rope and. Um,
1: yeah. Well, again, too, I love the way that this part was filmed because you can tell that this is Talget's moment because, yeah, Otway and Diaz go across. They're doing the kind of thing where they shimmy across a rope, you know, across mm-hmm. um, over. But the, they don't the really the chasm, show it. But they don't show yeah. the other two guys. They don't show what it's really like until it's Talget's turn. The other yeah. guys, you just hear them like, "Okay, we're good. We're good. we're coming across now." And like, yeah, like I said, you know that this is his moment because you see it, you see how high up they are and yeah. you know, you, you're really in the moment with him. And yeah, as glasses wearers, that's like, uh, that's the, just <laughs> that moment. <laughs> he seems to
2: just lose his, his will in a way, mm. you know? Well, the, he's hurt his like,
1: hand too. So he's already, he's already injured yeah. and it's already a different thing. It starts thing. bleeding again. Yeah. And,
2: it's just like everything just is is falling apart, and you feel it. And then the rope actually breaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a makeshift shift rope, of course. And he hits the tree. He just like
1: slams <laughs> against that tree. That you, again, That's, like you can feel yeah. it. That's so intense. Yeah. And he just falls yeah. all the way Breaking down to the Breaking every branch ground. on the yeah. way
2: down. Hits the ground. But you know, then he sees the vision of his daughter and the hair in his face, and then it. So it's sort of like, my hope is that he drifts off in that moment.
1: Mm. That's what I hope
2: happens. That, I think but, so. Like, the fall it, has probably yeah.
1: hurt him enough that he's was going to die anyway, maybe. Yeah. And that this is him being taken yeah. away peacefully when you see the actual reality.
2: It goes to the objective shot, and he's being dragged away by wolves. And so I, I like to think that he, within his own mind and body, ending.
1: Well, like john was saying to lewenda in the beginning like he was letting her take him away in that moment yeah i think before the wolves could i think is what's happening there that
2: happen and so i think when they're all facing death they probably find themselves in that same mindset
1: Mm -hmm. they remember what he said in a way somehow
2: yeah i think so you know because diaz you know he he He's chasing after him. He's being kind of a hothead, you know, and he hurts his knee on the way out of the tree. And so as they're walking on by the river, where he just, you know, they they're they're in sort of this beautiful spot, this idyllic spot. It looks like mm-hmm. something that you know Bob Ross would want to paint,
0: I guess. Right. You know, <laughs> it's, totally it, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I know it's
2: gorgeous. And you know, he just kind of looks around and you kind of know what's on his mind mm-hmm. and he's and they're telling him you know don't sit no don't sit down
1: He's saying, forget it i just want to sit i just had the well, clearest I'm, thought i'm done
2: i'm, I'm done yeah. but it's like there could be a there could be a cabin right right around the bend there it's like you know that's at least a mile i can make it a mile on this knee and he just convinces them that he really is done it's like do you see that view do you see this that view is- I feel like that was just for me.
1: (laughs) That's the deliverance moment to me. The main one when he it's that moment where he has to humble himself before nature. The thing that has been trying to kill him. (laughs) Yeah. This whole time. He still has to take the moment to be like, that's fucking beautiful. That's a good way to go out is looking at that, you know?
2: Honestly, the scene with Henrik reminded me a lot of Deliverance too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Except yeah. from
2: his point of view, instead of from <laughs> the outside point of view. Yeah. But that scene ends. It 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 ends where where he's sitting there just staring, and they're showing it from the back. And part of me just wishes, and I, I I wanted this so bad for him. I just wanted him to just sit there, and the camera lingers. And we know he's gone and just you move on. But no, what does the camera do? It gets low. It moves down. And then the music starts like some little quiet sort of foreboding music that you can barely hear it. And then right before the cut, there's a little bit of a snarl. And you're just like, God damn it. Is there? (laughs) Yes.
1: I never even noticed that.
2: I, I watched it very carefully. Okay. because 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 the first time I was like, what are they doing? This doesn't make any sense. And then I realized, oh, shit, that's what's happening. And and they cut it. You don't you don't see him attacked. You don't know for sure that he was attacked.
1: That kind of that kind of blows my mind. I always just thought that he sat there and starved to death. (laughs) Watch what the camera does when you if you watch it again. Watch
2: what the camera does in that scene. And listen, you you might want to turn it up a little bit to hear what the music does. And then I swear right before the cut to the other two guys,
1: Mm.
2: there's just a hint of like a
1: growl. Mm. Okay. Well, I don't like that though. (laughs) I I know. I I like leaving it open to what happens I have.
2: I love the idea of Diaz, who you finally come around to by this point, you know, of just freezing... Out there with that view in front of him and just drifting off into whatever is after, whether that be nothing or something or whatever. You know, I like that idea, but the movie doesn't quite give you that entirely, but it doesn't completely take it away
1: either. It's still a nice moment to me for the character and i like that shot where it's the three of them and it's just it just holds on the three of them the shot where they're trying to talk him out of it and he's just he's very at peace and it's kind of nice and that's not
2: something diaz does
1: and it's not i don't i don't get a feeling of that it's him entirely giving up necessarily it's just that he's kind of had a realization he knows that he's not going to make it maybe and then he he's okay with that with
2: them he's probably going to hold them back yeah and they and endanger them too i think that in in a way it's kind of a selfless
0: gesture
1: i think so too yeah because um henrik makes the suggestion about like we're, we'll drag him you know we'll make yeah. a, we'll make something and we can just drag him because like i said they they all yeah. they always all always want everyone to survive even guys yeah. by this point they're all gonna fight for everybody but he yeah and he's changed so much he's gotten to the point where he doesn't want to where he's willing to sacrifice himself for everybody else yeah. if he thinks it's gonna he's gonna be a burden
2: because he was like the most selfish motherfucker yeah you know from the beginning and he has probably the biggest
1: arc yeah i think so and he talks about like, because Henrik makes the argument. It's like, after all, we've survived up until now. Like, you're you're really just gonna sit here, and and give up? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about like, you know, what am I gonna go back to? You know, just drilling all day and getting Sign drunk all night. Sitting on a all drill night. all day, getting drunk yeah. all night. Yeah. This isn't a like, look at that view and everything. This this isn't a bad way to to go.
2: I mean, and there even is sort of this weird acknowledgement that maybe there's something bigger that set this all up for him in that moment. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I think that's an interesting observation on his part. I don't know. There's a lot going on, a lot of ambiguity about the spiritual because the spiritual is ambiguous, you -hmm. know? And I think that is what makes it really elevates this movie in a lot of ways, not just the fact that they are so far above sea level.
0: (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
2: I'm sorry. That's you oh can my God. you can take that out, please.
1: Okay. Well, this um, is where now, they do the the names thing. The too. names, yeah. Pete and John and John. He's like, "Of course you're first. I like I like the, he he has the perfect um Liam Neeson does. When he goes right up to him he says, mm-hmm. "John." <laughs> like there's yeah. like a knowing like little Yeah. We have the, of well, course your name is funny John
2: because they are set up to be the most different characters right. from each other. Exactly that you could possibly be and they are the s- really two sides of the same coin.
1: Yeah. Okay, that just blows my mind if it, if there really was a wolf cuz I I like that they go out on him saying I'm not afraid too. Yeah. But I don't want him yeah. to get eaten by wolves. I want him to just sit there and <laughs> Well, we don't want anyone to death. be eaten by wolves <laughs> by this point.
2: Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we're not sure if anyone else does. We'll see. Uh, now, the Henrik, where where they start getting chased, a lot while they're along the river, and then Henrik falls into the river. This reminded me of Ryan yeah. Cox's character yeah. in in Deliverance. You know, he it getting does. caught up on the on the rocks and the tree. Ew. And the,
1: oh. what is like the most devastating way to like literally watch someone drown? Just beneath the surface of the water below the surface it is uh it's it's horrifying to watch and it goes on for way too long (laughs) it's 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 like come on it's hard to watch it's It's, hard to watch
2: really tough i don't even know what else to say about that i mean he sort of (laughs) collects his backpack that has all the wallets in it and he's soaking wet and he just sort of throws his glove away throws the hat away or it's it's just like what's the point anymore you know, he because everything is soaked. It's gonna freeze to him. Yeah. Um. He doesn't have anything that's waterproof on at this point, and this is his moment of mm. yelling at God. And I think, uh, you know, do something. Do something. You know, prove it. Show me something real. Uh, it's like not something later. I need it right now. And if you Proof. prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Prove to me that you exist. You the yeah. rest of my life. Yeah. And then he says, fuck it, I'll do it myself. That's
1: my favorite thing, though.
2: <laughs> yeah. But there's two ways to look at it, I think, that okay. are fascinating because first one, and I think, is there really is nothing out there mm. and he has to do it himself. The other one is what put that fight in him? You know, what is cu- bringing him this will to live? And to fight and to keep going in him that allows him to be able to do it himself. So, I mean, this is, I, I, I like that ambiguity in this, in the movie like this. And uh, I think it makes this all very profound and just, I don't know, I'm, I'm into that. I, I yeah. think that's, that's a really great way of this, this movie just operates on that level that I really like.
1: Well, and just watching it as a person, not of faith like me, sure. Um, I I just really like that moment when, okay, he's he's the he's the only one left. He like you said, he's mm-hmm. not he doesn't have he's not all bundled up anymore. He's like um, he's he's more exposed to the elements than they he has been, you know, at the in the whole movie. And this could very well be the time when he should give up, like. Uh, Maybe like Diaz did but I don't know I just I I like the fuck it I'll do it myself has just kind of always been a thing with me anyway I've been really independent for a long time and so you kind of get into that mode like you're always doing everything yourself and sometimes you don't have a good reason even to, to, Mm -hmm. to keep going but you just do. Anyway, because the only yeah. person you can rely on for a, a long time is yourself. Yeah, that's kind of a very—I don't know—I like that moment as being. I do too. Hopeful and inspiring yeah. in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It is. It absolutely is.
2: And uh, he, you know, just this this sequence where he's just wandering through the woods here at the end, and then finally finds this clearing and he starts, starts, starts looking the at the wallets. wallets. Yeah, and they're all pictures of family. Mm. They're all pictures of children and wives or girlfriends. He finds Diaz's ID and just kind of it's sort of like the kinship. He holds it like in prayer, Mm -hmm. and it's like this is maybe the one guy that I was I didn't (laughs) I underestimated this guy. You know, I think there's there's a deep bond there that was unexpected. Uh, and then the letter, of course, you know, he,
1: which I think this, that was a suicide note, basically, right?
2: Yeah, it was a suicide note.
1: You can't really see. I couldn't tell exactly who was addressed to. I would say, obviously, to his wife. But yeah, yeah it was basically uh, so. that's that was the voiceover um, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. It was him writing that and yeah. yeah that was a suicide note and he comes back to it several times throughout the movie uh but right when he gets it right when he comes across it in this moment is when he has a very important realization uh that he has landed he himself sees, directly yeah. in the center of the wolves den
2: <laughs> yeah it, well i mean the way it, the camera pans around and you see that one of the quote-unquote branches is like an elk antler yeah <laughs> Like I, I think that's like, oh, and then there's like a giant rib cage uh-huh. sticking out and <laughs> you see like antlers and stuff laying around. Oh, it's like it's, it's the fucking den.
1: Um, <laughs> and it's one of those moments where it's kind of like you would laugh at that moment. I would think you're like, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, how and the ended. other
2: wolves start surrounding him. Mm hmm. But then they all back off because the alpha comes over the top. And I love how he just, he starts quoting the poem. He uh-huh. puts the bottle, he tapes the bottles to his hands. The music he tapes too. the knife to his hand.
1: It's really important yeah. in this scene too, I yeah. think. Because it's not oh, like yeah. action-y, like fight music. No, it's, it's not. really like inspiring, kind of like uplifting, hopeful kind of music to me. It's, it is. It's
2: beautiful. And just when he gets all of that ready and is Live and die on this day. You know, that whole idea, once again, that simultaneous experience of he's truly living now that he is staring down the barrel of death. right? You know, and uh, is he going to fight for it? Yeah. How how hard is he going to fight for it? And you see. When they and they just hold that close up on his face. There's
1: like the slightest and He
2: turns he turns animal, I
1: swear. He yeah. turns
2: into a wolf himself.
1: There's like the slightest change of like seriousness in his eyes yeah where this is where i kind of this um watch of the movie is when i like i said i really kind of got what the poem and like the ending was saying because this is a character that throughout the from the beginning of the movie we knew in some ways wanted to die but still we watched him fight against um everything that was thrown at him you know throughout the whole movie and now in terms of what the poem is saying is that even if he does die here which he probably will and he he's he accepts it and it's now he wants to live more i think in this moment more than he has throughout the whole movie you know what i mean so he is going to live and and die on this day (laughs) there's yeah.
2: this idea even that the poem there's a certain sort of destiny quality to it because it's like why was that poem in his life and so such a fixation for him <laughs> sure. you know the last fate. good fight i'll ever know i uh, mean that's pretty it's that's fate. pretty specific you know i mean that's i mean they show on the father's wall they show like that he was a military man um there's a picture that indicates that he's in like a RAF uniform or something like that. And so you, you, you imagine this was written by someone who has been in war. And that's what I think is more or less happening here, too. Yeah. He's facing that kind of thing. And so and I I was like, oh, are they going to show this? And then they just cut to black. And I was like, yeah. thank God that's but so then. much better that's so much better <laughs> i know now i i know i know I, and i don't know how i feel about about the post-credit sequence i just think it's, it's just it's just a single shot of I the wolf like breathing and he's, lean- he's leaning he's leaning he's
1: leaning up against the wolf and i think it's just kind of yeah. more of an extension of what is being said at the end of the movie is that like yeah he's gonna put up as much of a fight as the wolf is they're both gonna like yeah. fight for their territory and i think they both have whether or not Both gonna live. They're they're both both gonna gonna die. die. Whether they both live or both die, I think is not. Doesn't really matter. I I think they probably
2: both die. I think so too. That's that's my the reality version. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: it's a fucking wolf. (laughs) I don't know that wolves wolves have big teeth. (laughs) They're they're pretty (laughs) tough. Yeah, they're strong. Yeah,
2: and this is not an omega. This is the alpha. This is the the one one that has fought his way to the top of this pack. So.
1: I am so happy that you finally watched it because I, I kind of knew that you were going to have this reaction. So I'm glad I was right and that you, yeah. you liked it as much yeah, as you I've, did because it's, it's been, a great movie and it's not talked about as, enough.
2: And it's one that I, um, I intended to watch, and so this just gave me the push I needed to do it. It's hard to find time to watch movies when you there's got a lot of movies stuff. <laughs> so anyway, okay so we're gonna turn we're gonna turn a corner here now you know um so we're gonna probably offend all of our listeners in minnesota for a little bit uh we it's apologize love. in advance it is out of love because how can you not watch fargo and just not talk about the, like that for like a week after watching it it just kind of uh,
1: happens naturally
2: i've been watching this movie a lot lately and you know i usually log every time that i watch a movie but if i logged how many times i watched fargo in the past couple months it would be really embarrassing (laughs) i haven't necessarily been watching it all the way through it's been sort of a comfort watch i guess i've Mm -hmm. been having a lot of trouble sleeping over the past couple months here and fargo is on hbo max so i've just been Turning it on and letting it play, and if and just enjoying it as long as I am awake. And if I drift off, it's okay because I'm really familiar with it. Right. But it's weird that a movie like this, that is so heavy on death and crime and things like that, can be so comforting at the same time. It has a very warm ba-
1: blanket quality to it. it. Does, <laughs> even though it's cold and snowy, but. It's, it makes you want to bundle think, up while you're watching. Yeah. I think part of it is the familiarity of the movie for yeah. me. I mean, I've seen this, so I didn't take any notes because I was just like, I don't, I've seen, I know this movie so well. I've seen this a thousand yeah. times. I don't even know how to take notes for this just because it's, it's already there.
2: I know, I know. And
1: I'm actually glad that you picked this for me to watch again. I hadn't watched it all the way through in a while. And, sometimes you kind of wonder if something is still going to have the same effect on you, you know, because it's I like, I think I like this more. A, yeah. I think than I did too. I, I did too. I was, I it still cracked me up in like all the same spots that it usually did. But then I was also just kind of having the same realization as you. It's like, yeah, this is kind of perfect. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's I really movie. think
2: there's not a wasted second in it. And I remember seeing this back uh, around when it was getting like, it was on video by the time the Oscars were about to go for it and stuff like that. And so it was early 1997, somewhere in there. I wasn't really familiar with the Coen brothers. I had heard of Raising Arizona and Blood Simple, but I wasn't really, I don't think I'd ever seen one of their movies. Uh, And so I got Fargo, I think from the library of all places and I watched it and I went, I don't get it. Why are people just nuts about this movie? I don't understand. And I was at the same time kind of intrigued by that idea. And I wanted to figure it out. So I started watching it a lot. And it took me a long time before I realized it was even funny. (laughs) Which is crazy (laughs) crazy. to me now. But it... Because I just thought, well, this is crime story and... You know, the guy in the wood chipper and all that. But then, you know, the more people you meet from Minnesota uh, and the more, (laughs) you know, which being raised in a Lutheran church and working in a couple of them and going to a Lutheran college. Yeah, you meet people from Minnesota. It's just kind of a thing. And uh, my family is my extended family is largely in Minnesota and Iowa. So I don't know. It was just sort of this weird thing where it eventually just sort of like dawned on me the humor of the movie. And basically the whole movie is set up like jokes. Each scene is sort of like, we're going to have some local color (laughs) and then we're going to advance the plot a little bit. And then we're going to have a punchline. That's just sort of like smack. Yeah. There's the joke. One of them, for example, when Jerry goes in to talk to Scotty, okay? So he walks into his room. Scotty is sitting there. He's got an accordion on his bed. He's got a hockey stick and a hockey helmet <laughs> oh, that's right, there. yeah. And, and he's just like... What's wrong with serious mom? Conversation it's like, oh, they're it. not, What's they're not the serious conversation. <laughs> What's going to happen to mom? And he's gonna... then he Close closes the door. the door, and there's this poster for the accordion king. I know, wearing, like Lederhosen dancing in a field. And it's like the funniest joke <laughs> at the end of this heartfelt scene. And it's like, that's the whole movie's kind of like that, I know, <laughs> you know it's at a, I, I don't know. That's just sort of the quintessential version of what happens over and over and over in this movie. Right, And it's just so funny. And I, I don't I, think I want to approach this plot point by plot point, but I, I maybe take it. We're going to maybe approach this in just sort of our favorite moments, favorite.
1: <laughs> the whole thing.
2: Sequences, the, <laughs> the character interactions. I think Minnesota is a hugely important character to this movie. You know, Maybe even the entire reason why they wanted to write the story was because it was set in this place. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, this where they grew up. So they wanted yeah. to write a story about the kind of people that they knew. Um, and so there's the setting is, I think, such a key element of what's going on here.
1: Well, I wanted to say, too, I think I always saw this kind of the opposite of the way you did. Like, I always saw it as a comedy first, but I didn't mm-hmm. quite understand. I was always very confused by the structure um, of the movie mm-hmm. because the main character is not introduced until, you know, 30 minutes in.
2: 35 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you don't even... I think it even took me... a a while to realize that she was the most important character she's become like the most beloved i think coen brothers character ever uh still i think to so. day, yeah. d- i don't know yeah it definitely it was confusing to it me the way the that dude <laughs>
2: <laughs> the dude's pretty beloved
1: he's pretty
2: cool yeah
0: yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, it just always kind of confused me, like that it was it was so funny and it was so dark and it was so violent. Um, but I mm-hmm. always liked it. But yeah, it did take me a while to like truly get it or just to at least appreciate what it was doing. Yeah. But it's it's, it's enough that it's it's so funny because it still cracked me up. Like like we say, we've been like just saying lines to each other for like the two hours before we recorded, and mean, it's it, it still and- works so well. Even after I've and seen from a thousand f- times, I I even, exactly. even like watching it now, I always I, the, I saw it the most on TV, I think on TBS again, mm-hmm. like we were talking about uh, before. And so while I was watching it on my Blu-ray, I was hearing the dubbed over version of the, oh, really? the swearing where they cut out the swearing yeah, <laughs> in my mind and i could still hear it because i watched it so much off of that um i, I just kind of that's that kind of nostalgia for this movie is what is what i have because he I like the mean, part where he's um trying where carl is talking about um Where is Pancakes' house? That scene. Um, and (laughs) the dubbed-over version, he wouldn't say "laid," like you know, place where we can go and get laid. Like the, I I swear, I remember it as the dubbed-over version was rubbed, (laughs) which I think is worse. That that sounds even worse. Yeah. (laughs) Where we can get rubbed? (laughs) Like that? What? That's that's worse. Yeah.
2: So I. So I was thinking, you know, maybe we take this from like a character and i like how the way the characters are introduced sort of part by part you know first one you have is jerry yeah. lundegaard william h macy you kind of assume at the beginning of the movie this is his movie yeah for a real long time because uh he comes in and everything is so serious in this Right at the beginning of this scene, he walks into a bar. He obviously looks out of place and he goes, I'm Jerry Lundergaard. Shep Proudfoot says, and then Carl immediately comes back. Shep said you were going to be here at 730. You know, and then there's this whole, Shep said 830. And there's like this whole, and it just changes this, this dynamic. So just right off the bat and completely makes you go, this is not like anything we've seen before. You know these conversations are very—I I don't know—and—and and it was a mix-up, I guess. You know, <laughs> Jerry is like the worst person in this movie too. Yeah, in in a lot of ways because he's he's got all of this horrible stuff he's scheming and doing and all these, but he covers it up with this Minnesota nice thing, mm-hmm. and it's just like. He's revolting. It makes him so much worse because he's a faker well, and on top th- of all of it.
1: I think part of him feels bad about that. He doesn't like the I person so. he's become. The whole conversation with the guy in the true coat, you know, yeah. he where he knows <laughs> that he's the guy where the guy's yelling at him like he knows he's scamming the guy you can, and he's just kind of like looking
2: you're down a the, place liar you're mr there.
1: <laughs> so but you can see the, the way he's kind of like looking down like he knows exactly what he's doing and he knows he's a he shithead knows. yeah but, but yeah i do uh, i hadn't really thought about it that way before but yeah it is kind of funny how it's set up as like this really serious like meetup, you know criminal meetup between these guys and they're but the you way that they talk moment. the way that they talk to each other is like totally kind of normal conversation <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and it
2: sets up the whole minnesota cadence i think mm-hmm. too you know not everyone from minnesota has that cadence but uh some definitely do and i remember hearing that for the first time in real life and going where's that accent from? fargo
1: is real <laughs>
2: yeah it, i mean this was this was before i had seen fargo um but it was like okay i i wasn't Sure, what's going there, but um,
1: it does give a very it, lyrical quality to the movie. Absolutely, um, yeah. I think that's a big part of why, yeah the the comedy works so well is that yeah the mm-hmm. the rhythm and the cadence is very. You can just it's it's fun to imitate, yeah, but it also just kind of it, it just works and it makes it so much more funny than if it was just yeah not that accent. Well, and I
2: think lyrical is a good way of putting it because the whole movie kind of feels like music. There's mm-hmm. rhythm to the editing and the writing mm-hmm. and just the way everything plays. There's a real uh, sense of rhythm to this. And um, so, and that's that accent is sort of like the melody on top of all of this. I think so. And so, yeah, it's really beautifully done. Well, that's very well put
1: it's something we Um, both said too before we started talking is that this movie uh, you you think it's a lot longer than it is but it's only like what an hour 38 or something when it could i don't know for some reason i always thought of it maybe just because of watching it on tv with like commercial breaks and stuff i always thought of it as a two-hour movie but it's it's not and that that rhythm really just helps move things along flies by yeah
2: Yeah, it really flies by.
1: Even if it's so, it feels very out of sequence in a way. Again, like, you know, not really seeing the main character until 30 minutes in. It's still, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it still
2: works. (laughs) Because a typical movie would start with her investigation and work backwards. Mm -hmm. This sets up all of this stuff ahead of time so you know what's going on. So by the time Marge comes in and she gets everything right immediately when she sees the crime scene, you're like, oh, This is a smart cookie here, you know, Um, and that's really brilliantly done. Okay. I have a question. What do you think Jerry's financial troubles are?
1: (laughs) You you said you had a theory about this. I hadn't. I have a theory. I hadn't really thought of something, honestly. Like, all we know is that he took, like, what, $320,000 from... From GMAC, GMAC for loans on cars that didn't exist. But yeah, they never say they never say why he needs the money. In a way, kind of watching it again and thinking about that, maybe my theory is that he doesn't really need the money because he's in such competition with his father-in-law. He thinks that the money is the only way that the only thing that's Uh going to impress him. Because there's a there's a moment with um him and. What's his name? Wade. Wade. When um, he's talking about like the deal that he's gonna, he's trying to bring to Wade, and he's like, "This could be a real good thing for you know me and Gene and Scotty." And Wade says, "Jean and Scotty have to worry. Jean and Scotty never have to worry." Does not yeah. say Jerry. So yeah. there's obviously some kind of conflict. He feels very small against this guy. So my theory is maybe he's just trying to. Um, he thinks money is the only thing that's going to impress uh, this guy, and being able to take care of his family without his father's money, his sure. father-in-law's money. Yeah, but yours um, is more fun. I okay. think. Okay, <laughs> mine,
2: mine. is more fun. Uh, mine is the <laughs> mine is the theory that this takes place in the same universe as, like, The Sopranos, and he got into like a high stakes poker game on a tr- business trip while he was in Branson because he's too much of a square to go to Vegas. And um, so he he he's like uh, Robert Patrick's character uh, and he's got he's got loan people coming after him. They're going to break his legs if he doesn't if he doesn't pay them. you know, fuck you, pay me. That's very um, possible. So, I, you know, I mean, Kansas City, I mean, how far there's got to be a Midwest Mafia, right? Yes. I mean, the Minnesota mob is after him.
1: and, and They're going to
2: they're gonna, he's going to be in real trouble with them. If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't pay up, you know, that's, that's my
1: thing. Okay. We'll
0: go
2: with the arrows, so, then. Here's what's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then he's doing all these different schemes with the true coat, with the GMAC financing, um, with, you know, the, the, obviously the whole kidnapping scheme. To... I paid 19
1: nineteen five for this vehicle. I don't know. Like yeah. it was random little lines are so funny in this movie. I don't yeah. know why.
2: <laughs> they really are. I mean, it's just sort of perfectly crafted um so i and you know there there are different scenes that i really like like i really like the scene i, I mean obviously where he's talking every time he's talking with wade it's always i find it hilarious because wade just hates him so much. i know you know or, or just here. thinks so little of him <laughs> that it's hysterical it's like he's staying for supper i don't know dad you staying for supper you know <laughs> so much better than
1: me dad are you staying for supper
2: <laughs> i love gene that's that's like too perfect. You're too good at that. You're too good at that. But
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, that's I, dad.
2: Yes. Sorry. But I mean like the whole conversation about what are you what are you gonna put there? A lot.
1: Like, I know it's
2: a lot. I know it's a lot.
1: No, a parking lot. So, no,
2: a, a parking lot. was so like I had a lot a lot of lots in the late fifties. Lost a lot of money. A lot of
1: he says a lot again.
2: A, a lot. Uh, a, lot perfect. a lot. It's so funny. And it's yeah, I, I tried to quote that scene to my kids and they were like, what are you talking about, dad? That it's is...
1: funny in the movie, I promise. <laughs> it's funny in the movie, I know.
2: So, oh, okay, so there's this ongoing joke between my wife and I about this movie. When we first met, I was like into, I was getting into movies that were a little bit more like independent films and, you know, stuff that was a little less on the mainstream now this movie seems very mainstream now but when yeah. it first came out it wasn't really and so when we first met i showed her some different things that i liked, like i showed her almost famous which she loved and then but then this was one that i showed her and she just couldn't did not get it at all so sometime later she says well, i'm not really into your artsy fartsy movies <laughs> like fargo And that was her example was Fargo was an artsy-fartsy movie. And I I, said to her.
1: I get it, though. Fargo
2: Fargo is an artsy-fartsy movie? And she's like, well, I don't know. And it's like, and uh, now I'm like, okay, if you want artsy-fartsy, I could show you (laughs) artsy-fartsy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, have you ever seen Last Year at Marion Bay? (laughs) Okay. Anyway.
1: I get it in a way, though. That's kind of how I used to see Fargo, too, like before I was really. Yeah schooled and film you know, she, film, she, she you know it was kind of artsy-farty yeah
2: yeah now she would be like she'd probably <laughs> really kind of like it now i think because uh, this movies like this have this movie sort of infiltrated the mainstream a little bit mm-hmm. you know so it sort of has had an effect on other films that are, are almost imperceptible i think but it more of that quirkiness is present in especially on television yeah um you you know even even to the extent that there's a fargo television show now Um, that's actually pretty good i've I've watched the first season and i watched the most recent season and 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 i liked those i haven't seen the ones in the middle yet what is
1: it on i don't even know fx
2: it's on hulu so you can watch it on hulu yeah yeah i never never Um, saw
1: that yeah The most
2: recent season, um, if if I can digress for a second, the most recent season was interesting because I watched the first episode. I was like, I've already seen this. This is just the movie. And then it takes a turn where it really goes in a different direction about halfway through the first episode. So if you kind of stick with it and Juno Temple is really good in it. And if you get to where John Hamm shows up.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Who is literally the scariest person I have ever seen in a movie or on a TV show in a while. Uh, in this in in this season, but, he's but so the hard part about you. it is, is, is it's pr- it's primarily about domestic violence is a big sort of key element of it. So and there's some tough stuff with that in in this particular season, but it's quite good. It's quite good. So
1: so it centers around like what the Brainerd Police Department or something or what?
2: Well, it's just it's you know they start it the same way this is a true story Uh. it happened in minnesota in and then they give you a year and this year this one the current season was 2019 so So some of them took place in yeah it changes interesting um the first season i think takes place in the 90s and is supposed to be and there there's actually a tether that connects it to the movie in the first season that's interesting um that's different than i
1: thought it was
2: yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, at first I don't think the Cohen brothers were really involved and then they saw how the first season was actually pretty good. So now their names are attached to it as executive producers. <laughs> uh, so, but at, at first like had nothing to do with it. And now they're at least have their names attached to it, gotcha. even though it's probably not much involvement, to be honest. It's, it's a decent show though. I mean, the, what I've seen of it anyway, the first season and the most recent season, at least uh, one of these days I'll watch the other ones. But most of them have to do with, you know, some sort of police stuff, different, you know, and crime and sort of the underbelly Mm -hmm. of this sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, but it's it's a it's an interesting show. Anyway, um, so that's that's our, you know, so whenever we say we're going to watch far, I want to show the kids, uh, you know, watch Fargo as a family. It's like, oh, the artsy fartsy movie, you know, so it's (laughs) sort of our ongoing show. Um, One of these days, one of these days, we're going to watch Fargo. Um,
1: I think they'll like it. Even if they don't get it, they'll yeah. at least think it's funny, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that I, getting back to Jerry, I think uh, Jerry and Wade is such a funny, you know, dynamic. Like, that scene where he's he's just got, he's like, oh, we're looking at this offer, it's pretty sweet. You know, he takes him into the office, he's just like, you know, what kind of finder's fee you're looking for? <laughs> you know, it's like, and that would be... of $750,000 is $75,000. And I'd be like, Jerry, Mm -hmm. that's more than you say you're going to get for the kidnapping scheme. At this point, it changes because he's he's scamming the scammers, as we learn How much
1: money does he actually need, Need. (laughs) is what I want to (laughs) know.
2: I know. Well, he wants the entire $750,000. Right. And he wants, you know, that he's scammed. GMAC for three hundred twenty, and he's having Wade pay a ransom of one million dollar, and he's giving the kidnappers. 40, 000, he's only going to get them forty thousand, yeah. And the brand new burnt umber Cutlass Sierra. <laughs> it's burnt umber, not tan.
1: <laughs> tan Sierra, <laughs> the, the... Tan Sierra. <laughs> my car, my car. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, but I I I love the part after that meeting where you just kind of see the mask falling a little bit when Jerry you know, sits in the car
1: weapon,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he gets out the ice scraper and he starts scraping and he just freaks out. Just, God damn it! And then he just picks it up again and starts scraping. It's, That's a great it's moment, like, though. It's so brilliant. It's it's so much of what that character is mm-hmm. in that moment. And it's, it's a brilliant setup of what is going on with him and um
1: well why doesn't he yeah. turn the warm up the car first before he starts scraping <laughs> is what I always wanted to know. He would yeah. know he should know that. Like by now. Come that. on.
2: He should know that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean there i was just some different things that like when he comes home and he finds that Jeannie's been kidnapped and, and he's practicing what he's gonna say on the phone.
1: Oh, I know. It's like that he's was practicing being upset. Hilarious, because they yeah. they do they play it out like perfectly to where you think it's it's really him on the phone with him in that moment, yeah. and then you you see that he's just practicing it, and then he pulls out like some of the Minnesota nice with what he says. Oh, oh, geez, it's terrible. And he's like, you're yeah, you're really gonna yeah. say that? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he's ready to they, make the they call. They actually, <laughs> picks. My, uh, oh, oh, uh, Wade Gusts, Wade Gusseson, Gusseson, please. Please. <laughs> It's just, it's, it's a great punchline to is. all that. <laughs> it's, it's so well Since done. you said that, okay. I, I, I have, I'm thinking about that. Like that's literally how every scene kind of plays out. It always ends with like yeah. some kind of punch, even like the most subtle punchline like that yeah. works. Yeah. Ugh, it's so good. These guys are good at the writing movie thing. Uh, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> and it
2: comes like right before the cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. You don't even get a chance to really think about it. It just happens and, you, and it moves on. And it's very funny. Then, you know, uh, I think the other, the, the sort of the next group to talk about might be Carl and Gare Grimsrud. Grimsrud. You've already brought it up, but where is Pancake's house? <laughs> might be one of the funniest lines <laughs> in a movie ever. And the thing oh, is, I was we like, Oh, yeah, Pancakes don't, for Breakfast. Get, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a funny thing because um, Peter Stormar thought it was a typo in the script. Oh, and so he fixed it on the first take. He said, "Where is the Pancake House?" And they was cut. That's not the right line. It's like, oh, I just assumed it was. An- oh, no, no, no. It's like every everything in in the script is correct. So, yeah. And the the, the thing with them is the script that you got for shooting was you know. Because rewrite when there are rewrites, they change the colors of the pages to reflect mm-hmm. which draft yeah. it is. They would get all white pages because the script was perfect before it went for before the camera. Uh, I love that it. was just the way it was, you know. <laughs> and and they're you know not not every and, and, you know this is some I think Quentin Tarantino's this way. I think also that uh, but like Billy Wilder, I A L Diamond, they would. Every single word was specifically chosen. Yeah. So, I mean, if there yeah. was a change to it and an it or a the out of place, they would say, no, that's not right. And so you'd have to. Yeah.
1: I read something where like even Jerry's stutters were written into yeah. the script. Yeah so they wanted it to be said this way and like because I mean being from the place and like knowing how people talk I bet that's they had a they had that lyrical thing in their in their mind of like how they wanted the movie to Mm -hmm. sound I think
2: yeah and you know sometimes you think about that it's like oh that sounds annoying what if it doesn't fit in an actor's mouth and it's like well they cast it so they cast the movie so perfectly it's gonna fit in the actor's mouth you know, and they were like, if Francis McDormand's not going to do this movie, we're not going to do the movie. You know, I mean, if they got everyone they wanted and they still mm-hmm. do, you yeah. know, if if they don't get the right people, they usually are like, we're not doing the movie. Like they wrote the dude for Jeff Bridges. They didn't want anybody else. And he was kind of like, really, this is who you think I am? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny when I heard that. But um. Nice. I I think that's, uh, you know, an important thing. And um, you can see, like I said, that can be sort of like, oh gosh, that's irritating that they would have to do that. But if the script is right and if the actor is right, then it doesn't, it's not like a burden on an actor.
1: Well, even sometimes... I think the differences in the actors' voices really kind of adds something to the way that a certain scene like sounds or, or plays out, or the, again mm-hmm. the rhythm of the movie. Because I, I was, th- I'm thinking of the scene of oh God, what's his name? Wade's um, second guy, Stan Grossman. Grossman, yeah. When they're kind of sitting around the table, and you got Wade has a very gruff voice, and mm-hmm. Jerry is very like, oh, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Stan has got something, uh, I don't know. We're not a bank, Jerry. We're not a bank, yeah. Jerry. Or like when they're talking about um, how to handle the, you know, this is the way we prefer to handle it. And the, just the way that yeah. it goes, but like between the three of them, uh-huh. I think even. I don't know, just that kind of adds something. I always... I, I'm big yeah. on, like, actors' voices and stuff. I, I like people that yeah. have interesting voices. And so I always... I like picking up on, like, differences between them and how what it adds to their character. And it kind of says sure. something about them as much as just them as a character does to me sometimes.
2: Right, right. Well, and I think it's great that they cast uh, Steve Buscemi as this motormouth. And it's he's just dynamite in this. Always, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like this is my, I love Steve Buscemi in a lot of stuff, but I think this is my favorite of his. I just love him as Carl Schollwalter. Mm-hmm. I think he's funny and weird and funny looking. Some of the lines, he's like, <laughs> Shep, what the hell? I'm banging that girl. I mean, <laughs> good God, that's so funny. You know, it's you like, see it's, it? it's like I got shot in the <laughs> I got face. Fucking shot! I got shot in the face. Are we um, spore? <laughs> I
0: love well,
2: that. Well, and you know, just just that line, the the lines where that you're just like, I'm I'm doing all the driving. It's like the <laughs> whole drive, the whole fucking way from Brainerd. Would <laughs> it kill you to say something? <laughs> I love that. I did. No, that's a <laughs> fountain of conversation. There, man, that's a geyser. And he and he just has to fill every silence. Right. <laughs> he cannot. He cannot allow there to be no sound uh, i mean it's just like and he, and he doesn't know what he's talking about half the time which is really funny it's like after heard that it's proven that secondhand smoke is cancer cancer cancerations <laughs>
1: Can- <laughs> cancer agent and, yeah this <laughs> thing.
2: Like, ah twin cities ever been Carcinogen. in Minneapolis? <laughs> yeah i know, I know. <laughs> and then and then uh it's just so funny and then and then there's like lines that car uh, that uh, i'm sorry gare has too like i need ungwip What is ung Yeah, exactly. I mean, what it's is like, that? What is that? And it's just and you kind of get the idea. He's been bitten on the hand. Mm-hmm. You know, the kidnapping scene is pretty brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it starts out you know Jeannie just sitting on the couch watching some stupid daytime TV show knitting, knitting, and this guy comes up walking up wearing a ski mask, looking in the window with a the crowbar, completely open window. Sits yeah, there,
1: not being like, sneaky at all. What's that there?
2: <laughs> Okay. It's weird and scary and funny it is
1: it's got it plays out all those elements really well where it's like yeah. kind of frightening but also hilarious and yeah but on this viewing too i kind of had the realization i think about the whole basically mostly about the whole marge characters like all of these guys uh-huh. are idiots they come they play <laughs> they play off as being such professionals They fuck up every single step of this operation that they're trying to or something or something fucks it up. And then Marge is like the smartest person in the whole movie. Oh, she absolutely. (laughs) I mean, she. I I just kind of I just realized that that dynamic was like so much more clear to me this time. I was like, oh, they are literally screwing up everything because they don't like Wade wants to be involved in like You know, um, he wants to be the one to do like the drop off and everything. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And that gets him shot. That gets Carl shot. And he wants he wants to take the money. He wants to take the car that gets him, um, Uh you know, fucked up with Grimsrud, (laughs) which makes him kill. You know, they just they don't know what the hell they're doing, really. They're playing at being criminals and they, they all suck at it.
2: That's right. That's right. And, you know, and Shep, who actually is a criminal, he vouched. For the psychopath.
1: I know. That's always that's always been weird to me.
2: That's always been a weird line to me. It's like, I vouch for Grimsrud. Who's his buddy? It's like, oh, he's a buddy of the Carl guy. Carl something. That, yeah, Carl something. I don't vouch for him.
1: Vouch for Grimsrud. Yeah. I don't vouch for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah vouch.
2: Because Grimsrud is absolutely a psychopath. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... Uh, th- and it's shown in this scene where, you know... Because Carl is all talk. You know, shut up back there, lady, or yeah you know, we're gonna have to you know shoot, shoot you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like they almost sound like beavis and butthead in that we'll have to like but, you know show ya. <laughs> shoot you, shoot you, yeah, that'd be cool anyway, um, but there is sort of a beavis and butthead quality to these guys in a way, even to their hair, <laughs> looks like that um, he does <laughs> uh, that that didn't dawn on me until just this moment, but um. But that whole thing where you know it's like he tries to bribe the cop.
1: He can't even do that right. See, he can't even they, do
2: that right. They screw up everything. And it's like, Put that back in your pocket, please, sir, <laughs> and step out of the car. What's the sir? You know, yeah. just grabs him by the hair, knocks him again, and shoots him in the head. And Carl is just like, whoa, whoa daddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he has he's. I don't think he's ever been this close to a dead body in his life. And you get the impression that Grims had probably done this before, oh yeah, and there's there's even a comical moment here when he lets go of the cop's hair the way he falls is almost a three Stooges shot I it's really it's really bizarre you know, He just sort of like boom, just falls back the way he falls out of the frame is is kind of weirdly funny
1: I, and, the look on um, Peter Stormare's face too is always yeah uh, uh, after he does that and he's like you know just get him off of the road it's like
2: you're a real smooth smoothie you know
1: he's got a look on his face I don't know or it's like it's kind of a high it's, for, cold. it's cold but yeah. it's like.
2: Like like he was into what he just did. And I
1: was gonna say it's almost yeah. kind of like an orgasmic thing <laughs> for him in a way. Like he's got like just a very like loose, satisfied yeah. look on his face he d- in a way. Oh, that's a good you know that's I mean? a good point. It didn't bother um, him at all.
2: Yeah. I mean this is where you get probably the most iconic thing in the movie is when, you know, the car going the other way. So many of the people who die are wearing some shade of red. By the way, this is just something that's I've weirdly noticed. I mean, it's it's pink or because like the guy obviously wearing the bright red coat and then mm-hmm. his wife inside or girlfriend or whoever's inside the car is wearing like a pink sweater. But uh, and the cop is wearing like a maroon state, you know, the state troopers, like a maroon uh, uniform. So I don't know. I mean, Part of it could just be color palette because so much of the movie is sort of beige, white. Right. And shades of red. So, and that's really the main colors in the movie. Uh, but the the high speed chase is great, and the guy doesn't
1: again, Peter it Schumacher. It's not
2: like a shoot <laughs> or anything. Oh yeah, the way he's driving, the way, with the cigarette. The way just, he flicks... The way he pulls the cigarette out of his mouth is. I love that. Always shot. fascinated me because uh, he just kind of grabs it from the front and just flicks it out the window without looking.
1: That's that's when you know somebody. An actor is a real been a real smoker. I think. Is when they can do st- yeah, when they do stuff, stuff like that, you know, because that's that's very when you're so comfortable with the cigarette is when with the cigarette, yeah, because yeah, it's like something I that's on that. fire, you know. <laughs> so yeah, know. <laughs> sometimes you can tell when yeah. um, an actor is like probably never smoked before, <laughs> right,
2: in their lives. alive. Right.
1: So I just, I, right. I love little details like that. That's a that's a wonderful shot of him just like it, flicking it really out the window. Is.
2: Yeah, I think a typical movie like this would be him shooting out the window at the guy or something like that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have to do that. The car hits some black ice and Probably, flips yeah. over off the road, and the guys, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the guy in the field he because I mean, he just guy. leaves the get <laughs> the, the leaves, the leaves off. this woman in the car, <laughs> and he's just running off into the. I didn't think about that. Yeah, into the middle of nowhere, you know, and he just shoots him in the back. The way that the feathers fly out of the of the coat and everything it happens again when Wade gets shot yeah Yeah, just the down feathers just sort of bursting out Mm -hmm. is this weird detail and it's kind of quirky and you know just the way they frame you know the red lights and the way Grimsrud is walking over the edge of the road there I mean that's that's just masterful yeah the way this is all laid out Uh, I just think it's fantastic yeah, I mean, what a what a great sequence, and there's a reason why it's sort of it's it's sort of as it's the inciting incident. I mean, this is where 35 minutes into the movie, we suddenly have a duck. <laughs> there's a painting of a duck Malitz? painted in real life by the Houtmans. They are real people.
1: Oh, really?
2: <laughs> the Houtmans—they're actually the last people thanked on the special thanks in the credits. I saw that today <laughs> as I was watching. This. <laughs> That's nice. But, you know, just the introduction of Marge and Norm.
1: Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, this was the big realization that I had about this movie this time, which I think other people already have, but it just really kind of hit me watching it. I think it's just because I'm a little bit older, but, oh, my God, are they the best couple ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love them so much. I, lo- I, mean, I always yeah. love them. I always... I always thought before that they were so sweet, but they were always kind of also, when I was younger watching this movie, I would, I saw them as kind of like the boring older couple because even though they're so, even though they're so like sweet and supportive of each other, like they're talking about ducks and, you know, eating, eating Arby's together. But now I think watching it, you got Arby's all over me. You got Arby's all over me. Now watching it and really watching how they interact, how they support each other, like they're, their couple goals like this is like such a, a beautiful yeah. happy marriage like this is what i would and want it's not it's often like depicted in movies
0: i know like they're supportive There's of each always, other yeah. and it's like mm-hmm. you
1: want you want that, that there's like true love and that, like, I love that. Yeah. That moment, um, when the, before the other, you got Arby's all over me when he, she's like saying like, what a great What's painter. This, Nightcrawlers? <laughs> well, and she's saying like that he's a great painter and like, you can tell that he, that really means something to him. Like that before yeah. he goes and kisses her. And it's like, Oh, they're just yeah. over. Like I want, I want someone that's it's gonna like, that's gonna look I at hear me like, like that. the are
2: are entering a painting this year. It's like, oh, you're better than them. Oh,
1: you're better than them. Like I, I want someone like, that's gonna encourage me like good. that, and I want oh, someone that's gonna good, go. But you're better
2: than them. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Sorry. I'll stop. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) I want someone that's going to like encourage me like that. And like someone that I can go to a buffet and like stuff my face with food with. Also, that's like they are so perfect. I'm sorry. That buffet buffet
2: food looks so gross to me now. It looks awful. but There is a time in my life where I would have been like, yeah. But now I'm just like, oh, I just feel sick looking at it.
1: But don't you want someone that you can just go like eat oh, terrible yeah. food at a buffet with and like you know they sit next to each other yeah. in the booth with like that's uh I fucking oh, love yeah. Marge and Norm a, that's now. That's a good
2: and that's a <sighs> that's an interesting observation that they're sitting next to each other like that because when Mike tries to sit next to her and she's like <laughs> no sit over there I prefer that yeah. Oh, no I just don't want to turn my neck. Here's the thing with Marge. Her Minnesota nice is authentic. Yeah. She really is that nice. Yeah. In fact, I think that's her one real flaw. Because she's so trusting and so idealistic about people, she at first can't see that Jerry is lying to her. Yeah. And I find that, and or that Mike is lying to her. And but I think that is really yeah. wonderful... That that makes her even more lovable. You just love her so. more because she's so because she's
1: so trusting. And she's so genuine, but she's also yes, she doesn't let. She's that, smart as she's yeah. smart as hell, though. Yeah, but she doesn't let that interfere with her like doing her real work. Uh, okay, so the Mikey no. Anagina scene, people are, have always been so confused about that. I I see it as yeah, that's how she knew that Jerry was lying yeah when she and finds out is, that I, when she finds out that mike was lying to her in that scene she yeah. realizes that she's kind of saw the same thing in jerry and that's what makes her go there's back
2: because after she gets yeah. the hearties and they she's eating and they show there's that's just a such a great moment. moment
1: i love that moment there,
2: did you do you know the moment i'm talking about though that's after that so after she's eating it she's kind of looking kind of sickly <laughs> at it hello yeah but she has a expression that comes across her face where her eyes just kind of Real, you see mm-hmm. that she's realizing something, yeah. and it's just that it's blinking. You miss it, but then the next shot is her walking into Gustavson Motors,
0: yeah.
2: into Jerry's office again. So I think one of the great things is she gets up in the morning. Yeah, Norm made some eggs. She's not rushing out the door. She's like, "Oh, got to <laughs> run, hon." It's like, "I'll make you some eggs. You got to have a breakfast." Why the, the when he clears his throat is one of the funniest things in a movie. Because
1: ever. because she the look that's on her face when he does that is still just one of love despite despite like whatever gross like morning noises he's making she's she's just (laughs) sitting there she's just sitting there like oh this guy is the best because he's getting up early in the morning to make ace for me i i saw that this time and i was like that is a perfect moment i love that and why do i love the shot so much of like when she leaves um, and he's eaten her breakfast. Prowler needs a jump. I love that. Uh, yeah, I love. I that I love part. that shot. I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's
2: perfectly set up, and you just see him. You know, he's he's just gonna go about his day. He's almost like he's waiting for her to come back in to say that she needs <laughs> his help. I, <laughs> or I that think he's that's just always a, there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a wonderful routine they have, and you know, um, I love that the house is kind of a mess. You know, it's a
1: normal house. It's,
2: it's a normal house, okay. whereas the Lundegaard's house is, like, pristine. But here, you know, both of them are working. Both of them have, uh, you know, she's she's probably bringing home most of the dough yeah. as the police sergeant, but he's, you know, sort of pursuing this dream, and he's actually having some success with it. So he's pulling some weight of his own as well, um, but it's it's a tough gig to make it at, you know, yeah. clearly. And so there's there's a lot of that going on, but that you can tell that they both are really giving it their all to not just to, to each other and to them, the marriage and um, all of that. And I think that's, that's uh wonderfully done. Uh, she's a clearly a great detective. Yeah. She gets to the scene within one minute. She says, so I know exactly uh, what kill the trooper. Yeah. There's a high speed pursuit. And uh,
1: here. And then there's execution
2: type deal. deal. I'd be very surprised if our suspects were from Brainerd. And I tell you what, from his footprint, he looks, looks like, like a big fella. Like, and then, of course, <laughs> no, nope, I just think I'm
1: going to barf. No, my but favorite line is... Always, uh... The
2: fact that she's seven months pregnant is like this. It's not like super important to the movie, but it's this wonderful character. element yeah. That is weird and funny and real. And I, I, I don't know. I love it. <laughs>
1: My favorite line is always the one after that where it's like she's about to barf and she goes, yeah, now I'm hungry again. <laughs> well, that passed. I'm hungry
0: again. and then That's Lou. Like, again, Lou is again, great.
1: Again, with the like the guys being kind of dumb in this movie. Yeah, She like, knows exactly what's going in on. in a citation book? <laughs>
2: not and sure I agree line,
1: with the 100% of your yeah, police work there, Lou. <laughs>
2: that is one of the best lines, I know. Too. Because it's not like, no, you're wrong. It's
1: she's doing the nice thing she's doing she's, the nice genu- thing. And she's genuinely nice about it she doesn't want to make this guy feel bad but she still has to oh. say that you know yeah i'm smarter than you Jeez. and i get this yeah
2: yeah and then, and, then the- <laughs> and then she disarms him again say lou you ever hear the one about the guy that couldn't afford personalized plates so he went and changed his name to j3l2404 yeah, that's a good one.
1: That's a good one. Uh, that's I, one of I, my
2: favorite exchanges ever. And then the look oh, on her so face
1: funny. is one. She it's just like, kind of smiles.
2: She smiles. She's being sweet. She's trying she, to make him feel better. Exactly. And yeah. She's,
1: I, she's trying to like. She wants to get her point of across. Yeah, she wants to like get her thing across, but she doesn't want to make anybody like feel bad about themselves.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah. Ugh. It's uh, just. It's so good I know. um yeah and you know as this goes along i love you know the different scenes of her investigation like when she <laughs> the, the two girls that that's, is my favorite know, slept scene <laughs> that scene is so funny
1: that is my favorite you want to talk about like the lyrical quality of this movie yes. it is this scene i think that really it's it's almost
2: like they're conducting an it orchestra is right here
1: <laughs> Yeah. The way they go back and forth between and just like the hilarity of the, the lines. But you're still like getting the uh, again, like getting the plot across and like mm-hmm. even the subtle way. Like all we have to know is that like, oh, they were heading towards the, the Twin Cities. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like, that's
2: right. That's the only thing you really <laughs> need to know. It's like, uh, so you're having sex with a little fella, huh? It's like um, if there's uh, a line that was... I'll
1: quote more than anything from this movie is like, oh, what about the other guy? I was like He was a little older. You know, it kind of reminded me of the Marlboro Man. Or maybe I'm just saying that because he smoked a lot of Marlboro's, you know, like a subconscious yeah. type thing. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I that lo- can happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that can happen. I, 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 I don't the know why like, I love that line so I, love much. I went to high school at White Bear Lake. Go Bears. <laughs> the Wiper,
2: Go Bears. I love that. And it's like um the little guy was kind of funny looking. It's like. <laughs> in what way? <laughs> in I don't know. Just funny. Looking. Uh, just in a general kind of way. Um, more like, than most people even <laughs> he, he, More than most people even It's like he wasn't circumcised Was he funny looking apart, apart from, from that? Him? Yeah <laughs> Well and the scene in the hotel where they're having sex Is really funny uh-huh. too Because they just show him like bouncing up and down yeah. And then, and then and then it just cuts and they're watching Johnny Carson. They're all just staring blankly at the screen. It's
1: That's
2: hilarious.
1: And again, with just Marge being so sweet to these girls yeah. too. in that scene, like she's, yeah. she's maybe thinking that they're airheads or something. I don't know, but she's being like, nah. so nice. And I don't know. Well, the, the, you know, the, they and sort they are of nice. mix they're, this. They're really nice girls. They are nice. <laughs> they are
2: nice girls. They're just, yeah, it's funny. Uh, but, I, I love how also when she's going to the Twin Cities and she's doing the investigation, but she's also trying to set up this lunch with with Mike. And she's talking. When she talking goes up to, to the hotel, it's like,
1: do you know a nice place in the downtown area. No, when she goes up to the desk at the hotel, and there's there like, like five, five people, people standing there, and like the one at the end talks to her, and she just kind of goes, oh, "I'm doing really super there. Thanks." Just. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have a phone down here, you think? You know, I mean. Threadison. Just the... Oh, yeah? Is it reasonable? Oh, uh, yeah? Is it reasonable?
2: <laughs> no, that that scene with Mike is just like cringe and awkward, mm-hmm. but I find it so funny. Oh, it is. It's, uh, he's making up this story. You can kind of see it on his face when he hugs her. He has that weird look on his face, too, mm-hmm. um, that she doesn't see, obviously, but we see as the audience. I don't know. It's very awkward. and. You said there was your favorite delivery of a line. Yeah,
1: is in this this scene. I don't know. I think it's the the line delivery and mostly the the facial expression. Um, When Frances McDormand is the Linda Cooksey thing. She's like pretending to remember who Linda Cooksey is. And she goes, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it (laughs) didn't work out then. The way that she shifts, like, so fast yeah, in yeah. that line delivery, I don't know. It is it is hilarious, and it's brilliant to me. Again, she's doing the thing where she's trying to you know, please this person and, like, not make them yeah. feel bad. It's just like she doesn't remember somebody, but also, like, expressing right. her uncomfortableness and, like... Yeah. Not disinterest, but kind of like she's yeah, not really feeling it when anymore. When comes <laughs> and
2: sits next to her, it's so weird. I mean, like, okay, oh, sit over. It's like no, go sit over there. I'd prefer that. It's like, and then she's like really firm. She's mm-hmm, really yeah. commanding of that moment. And this is oh, and then she disarms it again. It's like yep. oh no, just don't have just more comfortable. Don't have to turn my neck. But obviously it's, no, I don't want you to sit next to me because you clearly I are misunderstanding like yeah. this meeting. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and, and just, <laughs> I saw you on the TV and you're such a super lady. Like, you're, you're a nice, I liked you. The way it's she's just, holding. I like you too, Mike. And the way she's holding the Diet Coke and then she just puts it back in her mouth. It's mm-hmm. so funny. I liked you so much. It's like, and just the way that scene ends where he goes, I'm so lonely. It's, <laughs> it's okay, like, Mike. You you kind of feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, you know he's kind of a creep, and it's yeah. it's oh, it's
1: I'm so lonely, yeah. <laughs> and the first
2: time through, it's sort of like, why the hell is this scene in the movie?
1: I didn't get it for the longest time. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I think what helped me was hearing Roger Ebert and Martin Scorsese talk about it because they brought it up in their Best of the '90s. It was on both of their lists. Okay. Um, they talked about that scene in particular, and and they're analysis basically was the oh that's how she knows that jerry's lying to her is because because this guy made up this story about someone and you know linda's doing great you should go see her um Mm -hmm. you know just that conversation on the phone it's like well that's a surprise you know is is sort of a light bulb moment and she's Mm -hmm. just sort of glum in the scene after that where they show her you know driving to the Hardys and everything and yeah,
1: but she's thinking I now I see that scene yeah. as she's the wheels are turning is how I yeah. I see that that blank like look on her face while she's driving. It's like she's thinking.
2: Yeah, she is. Another thing that's interesting is Carl and uh, Wade do the handoff in the Radisson parking lot. Mm-hmm. So where she was that day. Yeah. And I think that's sort of an interesting detail that um, that comes through. I also love the part where Carl, you know, I, I didn't want This thing with parking attendance is really funny because, you know, because he runs into two of them, right? I just, fucking you know, the parked first. Here, it's like, it's like, it's like, well, it's I still like have a, to charge you the, the $4. $4. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, like, it's like, big fucking man there, huh? Prick. <laughs> I mean, it's just.
0: <laughs> um,
2: but. But you know, when Wade gets shot, I also find this funny. The com the comedic timing of this scene is really, really funny. Where Jerry pulls his car up, he sees Wade's body there, and then the trunk pops open. Is again, it's dark and it's mm. it's sort of sad, but it's also really, really funny. It it always elicits a laugh from me, just the way the <laughs> trunk opens. Um but Oh, there's and also something Carl, before that. Well, yeah, we're, Carl we're, in
1: that scene though, too. Yeah. Just like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you?
2: <laughs> Cause he's had it at that point, because that's after he's been beat up by Shep. Yeah. And he calls Jerry and says, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you, I'm gonna shoot your, your wife, your, and I'm gonna shoot your wife, and we shoot your all your fucking kids. children. It's like you leave Scotty out of this. Um, but he says he says thirty minutes in the Radisson, you know, parking lot. He says thirty minutes we wrap this up. And I just learned this week that that line comes when there's exactly 30 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, they knew what they were doing uh, and trimmed it to for that to happen exactly at that yeah. moment. And that's how precise the script to the filming ended up being. The Coens made lots of really good movies. I mean, we've talked about how much I love Barton Fink already. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, they were on a run. I mean, uh, Miller's Crossing, Hudsucker Proxy, and Barton Fink those five movies that came before this I and mean, that's a run, <laughs> but this is the one where it's Pretty like, good. it's perfected. I mean, Hudsucker didn't do well at the time. I'd sort of developed this cult following. I love Hudsucker.
1: I, I do. Too.
2: Yeah. It's probably a bigger movie than they should have done at that time, but I really like Hudsucker proxy, but this one, I mean, just all of everything. It just clicks. I mean, mm. yeah. Speaking of so.
1: other like funny stuff on phone calls, <laughs> how's gene Jean? who's Jean? Who? gene <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my wife my wife <laughs> and just again with carl i i swear he's just like he's pretending to be a criminal he's never done anything yeah. like this serious before like that like, um when he calls jerry to ask for more money and he's got yeah. the lines like blood has been shed jerry like he's trying to sound all serious but it just makes me laugh yeah this yeah. time you know the around because I, I was like He's he's just playing at, at being this. He doesn't really know what the, he's in, he's in, he he's in a, over his head as much as Jerry is in this whole situation, I think. Yeah. Well, and the scene Especially where with, with the escort
2: ride. is really yeah. funny too. I think the scene with the escort is hilarious. Oh, yeah, where he, um, Yeah. Where they're in <laughs> the, the look on her you've face. been to the celebrity room before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the artist, Jose Feliciano. You got no complaints.
1: She just um, looks like she's smelling dookie through the whole scene, like know, and not like, wanting to be with this guy at all.
2: <laughs> so, do you find that work interesting? What are you
1: talking? What are you about? talking about? All
2: right, I hear bells. <laughs> She's just so bored. It's like, it's like, well, where are you? Well, there you go. It's like, and then she just gets pulled off. Shep, what the hell are you doing? I'm banging that girl.
1: The women are always on top with Carl. With, with Carl, yeah. Um, but hey, that's cool. It's hard like work. To mix it up, but
2: you know. Um, anyway um he's
1: not willing to do the hard work to make makes the way to do it <laughs> <laughs> that's, there, you, there go, you go that's true um
2: but uh you know just getting his ass kicked by shep is you know he's
1: it's brutal but it's, it's funny yeah. because he's getting yeah. i don't know
2: getting his pants on he has one boot on yeah and, yeah i mean, it's yeah it's, i don't
1: know how they pulled it off i've always i was like i like like why is this Funny and like horrible at the same time that they just they just can do that
2: they really have a sense of it don't they it's 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 masterful and i think for me i this is it's hard to pick but if i had to name my favorite coen brothers movie it's probably this one uh (laughs) yeah i don't know
1: now (laughs) i always said a brother art though
2: barton fink is is way up there for me i love barton fink but i don't know this one just everything just clicks everything is just perfect in this movie and ironically it's not even entirely their vision because you know they got the financing together they had to shoot it this particular winter and it turned out to be the warmest winter in the history of <laughs> in like 30 years in minnesota so there's not actually as much snow as they envisioned there being ah. they thought there was gonna they thought like when carl is burying the money mm-hmm. they expected it to like be up to his waist and it normally would have been. So they actually, by the end of shooting, were bringing... They were had to go further and further north chasing snow in different locations until they were bringing in, like, snow makers, like ice mm-hmm. chips that were, like, s- giant snow cone makers, essentially. And they were putting snow on the ground in Minnesota because uh, this was actually shot in Minnesota, which is great. And yeah. But so it's just sort of, like... In spite of that, the movie is still about as perfect as movies get. I always thought that was an interesting little factoid about it.
1: That makes me think of just like other just random little moments that are kind of character moments in a way, too. Mostly of just um, yeah. like a Marge, like the, her little tumble in, in the snow. Careful there, Margie. Yeah. Such a perfect little moment and her yeah. her getting up and like kind of like getting the snow off of her knees after, you know, she's kneeling yeah. over to look at the trooper. I don't know. Sometimes I watch this and it's like, why are just little moments like that so perfect, too? Yeah. It's just some somehow it, yeah. it just, I don't know, it, it does add like local like color and flavor to, to yeah. the movie and to the characters as well. Speaking
2: of local color and flavor... One of my favorite scenes is the the scene between the cop and the guy. And we've never seen either of these characters before.
1: We'll never see them again.
2: (laughs) We'll never see them again. They're one scene and... um, It holds. It's it's just one. It doesn't. The shot doesn't change. It's a single shot that just holds. And this conversation is one of the most hilarious things (laughs) ever. I know. And it's just like... I was like, so I was tending a bar back to <laughs> it's like and uh But can again you it moves the please? plot along. It moves the plot along. Because it's it tells like, them oh, what like, Where He's lake a little guy, kinda of funny looking. Yeah. Oh, it's like a white bear. I it's so closer to Moose Lake, so I made that or something. It
1: lets it. I like, it lets her, it gets her in the right direction to find these guys. Yeah, still. Yeah,
2: my wife was watching the TV, <laughs> and, uh, he like doesn't even call her his wife. He calls her Mrs. You know whatever his last name is. I get, can't remember his last oh, name off top yeah. my head for some reason. Oh, uh, that's gonna bother me. Um, Mora, yeah, Mister Mora said. So Mrs. Mora said I should call it in. So, so I, called I called it, it in. in. End, end of story, story. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like and and the way they the way they finish the scene is hilarious because they just kind of look up at the sky mm-hmm. both of them at the same time and sort of turn away from each other it's gonna turn cold tomorrow it's like yeah there's a cold front coming in and then they just walk away is oh. so funny oh. to me.
1: i think honestly what makes me laugh the most in that scene is just their hoods <laughs> the hoods of their coats the you cannot see the yeah. you can't see the yeah. one guy's face like ever i don't think <laughs> yeah. or i don't remember right if he do and he's just got uh, this giant like fur-lined hood they show on him
2: driving up but that's about it
1: and just yeah. the way that they kind of because you can't just like look up at this guy you know when you got a hood on like that you have to like kind of turn your body so they do that <laughs> they kind of yeah. turn to look up i d- again that's just i don't know why it's funny but it is
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I also okay so another one I wanted to bring I think the second interview with Jerry is really funny because she's sort of repeating some of the same lines that she did the first time through It's like mind if I have a seat I'm carrying quite a load here mm-hmm. trying to do her disarming thing and, and then says ma'am I answered your question then she just changes mm-hmm. she shifts you have no need to get snippy with me I'm just, <laughs> I'm just <doing laughs> you have no job. call to get snippy with me I'm just doing my job here. It's like you just fucked with the wrong woman, yeah. is what it comes across as, and and she's like, "All right, I'll do the damn lot count." And I um, think she kind of he- wreckage- <laughs> and she's just so trusting that that's what he's going to do, even now, yeah. even though she knows by this point that he's lying
1: to her. He's playing um, the interview. <laughs> he's playing the interview, but she's just kind of like pacing back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she just
2: sits there for a while and she uh-huh. looks at the picture of Jeannie and she's like, "Oh, that's nice." And
1: uh, <laughs> I think what's oh, kind of fascinating man. about her, yeah, is that she's so genuine. I think a part of her recognizes that she ha- she can have a little bit of an element of surprise against somebody because she can yeah. turn on that authority like she mm-hmm. does. Yeah. But then she's also just a really good person and, and wants to believe yeah. the best in people at the same time, you know. So she. So it does kind of like surprise her a little bit when he does flee.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I don't put a lot of stock in the Oscars anymore, uh, but (laughs) you watch a performance like this and Uh you go, okay, Francis McDormand deserved the Oscar for this. You don't say that about every performance that wins, but this one is like... Yeah, 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 he, she deserved this one. Uh, I don't even know <laughs> who she
1: was up against, but yeah,
2: she. I don't either. She but deserves it. But. <laughs> she is phenomenal, and um, just those nuances and subtleties, and the lyrical quality of that voice, and you know, one of the, one of the sex workers is was her dialect coach. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it was the one that was sleeping with Carl. So. <laughs> if i remember right so but uh yeah i mean it's just uh, the the, when they go back to the cabin and he's watching (laughs) gary's watching the soap opera and he's eating the tv dinner and we see that Jeannie is dead she started shrieking but the (laughs) The soap opera opera they're watching (laughs) starring bruce campbell yep I, I love that. I, I didn't even realize that until I forgot that until you told me that yeah. again. Yeah, I, and, I remember reading
1: like, about that. It's like, I'm having
2: your baby. <laughs> and just the look on his face is so hysterical. Because uh,
1: he's like into it, he's into the story that <laughs> he's watching, yeah, and he's like kind of he's surprised. So
2: into it, and then there's know, another great Carl shot. Walking in.
1: Well, there's mm. another great shot that's kind of like mm. that before when um Carl is fucking with the TV that he can't get to yeah. work, and yeah. it's just that like it's, it's him messing with the TV, and like um Jean sitting there with the stocking or the mask, mask, mask or whatever over her face, her face and you can just yeah. see the, her breath coming breath. out, and Carl just sitting there with that like. You know, blank stare on his face, yeah. like looking at just looking at the snow, the snow on the TV, you know, kind of right. like the snow and yeah. the elements. And then it
2: and then it cuts to them watching the uh, documentary about the bark beetle. <laughs> I love those transitions. The Coens are so good at those transitions. There's like in Blood Simple where they're looking up at the fan one of the characters looking up at a ceiling fan and then it cuts to another character looking up at a ceiling fan or going to the curtains and stuff like that. They've done that a lot. And it's, I never get tired of those transitions from mm-hmm. them. I think they're brilliant. I think they're uh clever, uh, but they make character connections too. Mm-hmm. They're not just, you know, showing off.
1: They're never showing up. They're not, the, I don't, I don't see them as those, those really kind the of famingers. thing. I think everything
2: yeah. is purposeful. It's purposeful. Yeah. And confident, and I think that I never that feel, confidence yeah. really comes through.
1: I never feel like you know we're trying like oh look at what look at what we can do with movies. I that's what I always feel like they know what they just know what they want to do, and yeah, they have the confidence to make it happen the way make that they the way that they they see it. See it, yeah. yeah. I like. They're I they're good. Think that's they're good. They're going sign, places. Sign they're... of a
2: of good filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this time they at this point in time they couldn't even credit both of them as directors so joel cohen was the director mm-hmm. and ethan cohen was the producer but in reality they were both directing
1: and they made up a name to credit for the editors editing <laughs> yeah. Robert James. yeah and they'd
2: still use it
1: just say you did it all boys we yeah we're cool with they that. just <laughs>
2: they just didn't feel good about having their name so many times on the
1: but the editor credit like comes that. up so much later. I think it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I know. I think it's funny. Well, uh, yeah. The scene where they where Marge, you know, there's the car, there's the car. And she. Yeah.
1: Tan Sierra, Tan Sierra. <laughs> okay,
2: the first sorry. time seeing this and and sh- he's, j- you know, just shoving <laughs> Carl's leg into the wood chipper. It's like shocking because I had never seen anything like that before. It I was, wish I could
1: remember. But yeah, <laughs> was it was like,
2: just like... Well, the what's cop funny getting shot is, in the
1: head is pretty... And that's like a, that's a, pretty, little, that's a little geyser of yeah, blood that comes little, out. It's a geyser. <laughs> it's a geyser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, it's funny and it's horrible and brutal at the same time. <laughs>
2: yeah. One of the things I learned later was... I know it says at the beginning of the movie, this is based on a true story or, or this is a true story. It's not. No. But there was... An incident that I learned about later about this guy who in Minnesota who killed his wife and put her in a wood chipper to hide the body (laughs) to dispose of the body and they actually found it forensically in Uh, the lawn (laughs) later uh. Um, which is crazy. So, uh, I guess there's a certain amount of reality that is connected with this, mm-hmm. but but this scene where she's just yelling and you can't hear her over the wood chipper, police, and she's pointing, pointing at her hat, the, on
1: pointing her to her the badge, shield. On her yeah.
2: hat is it's just so great again, I another
1: mean, perfect character moment.
2: <laughs> it is, it really is. And then you know, Grimswood running out onto the lake, uh, and you know, she shoots him in, in, in the leg, and mm-hmm.
1: um, oh. That reminds me of the uh, another scene, like a, a kind of a horrible but funny yeah. scene when the Jean they they first yeah, take gonna, Jean uh, to the cabin. Yes, and Carl is just like watching her try to run with the mask right on around. and her, her hands tied behind her back, and he's just like, "No, we're just gonna watch and, and laugh at her," like which is horrible. But you and
2: Grimsrud is just kind of <laughs> kind of puzzled by it. It seems yeah. he's just staring at it, going, "What?" and because. Carl sort of holds him back, mm-hmm. you know. He's kind of and, one of the
1: wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this is going to be good. Yeah. Things.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. Ah, I love
1: this movie. But
2: the drive in the car, yeah, Grimsrud and that that monologue. I mean, this is essentially more or less was redone in No Country for Old Men when you know uh, Tommy Lee Jones gives a sort of similar monologue about. This doesn't make sense. You know, this kind of thing. I don't
0: remember that. In many. this case, you actually have
2: a little bit more closure, I guess, because both Grimsrud and Jerry are caught. Yeah. So there's there's that. Whereas Anton Sugar in in No Country is <laughs> still out there at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert.
1: I've seen it once. I don't I, I would right. say spoiler
2: alert. <laughs> After I give away the spoiler, <laughs> sorry. Um, but here, I think that conversation is its like she she counts down the five people who are dead, though there's a six-person, Wade, that she doesn't mention yeah. because that's not known yet. Yeah, she does about that yet. That, that he's yet. dead. Yeah. yeah, he's just <laughs> missing still. He's still in Jerry's trunk, pr- presumably, or something to that effect. But And for what? A little bit of money. There's more to life than a little bit of money. Don't you know that? And here we are. And it's a beautiful day. And the end, that last line there, I just don't understand it. I 100% believe her. Yeah. She truly does not understand why anyone would do any of this. It doesn't make any sense because she is just so, she so wants to see the best in humanity. And that is one of, you know, people could call that a flaw, but it's sort of a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, she really wants to see the good in people, and it's uh, and times, just to see this tragedy for for not even that much, not, right. not even what
1: they think to the kidnappers it's getting. not that much money, honestly. Yeah, and that forty thousand dollars,
2: forty thousand dollars for for those all those people who are dead, and then the rest of the million is buried out in the middle of nowhere, and no one's going to ever find it because until. Uh, Never mind, but um, <laughs> that, that's that's one of the references in um, in the in Fargo, the TV series, oh. is the money. <laughs> but um, because Carl's dead and he's the only person who knew where it was, it's just pointless. Everything yeah. they did was absolutely pointless. Uh, worse than that, it took the lives of f- six people, who especially like Jean was completely innocent mm-hmm. in every single way. Um Jerry's gonna be in jail.
1: Scotty's uh, got gonna, gonna be fucked up parents. for life probably. Yeah. yeah.
2: His grandfather got shot yeah. because of his dad. Mm-hmm. His mom got killed because of his dad. I just what yeah. happens in that is so uh it's it's really dark tragedy, but the movie ends so beautifully I hopeful. Know.
0: You know so
1: before i would think at times i would see what marge says in the car as kind of being a little too on the nose with saying like what the point yeah. of the movie is is that like money yeah. doesn't matter but i don't know um but i still like in terms of the character like i i understood like that that's really what she believed and this time yeah. like i said like Falling so much more in love with Marge Norm than I ever have before. That's when I, I yeah. really felt like, yeah, that she didn't actually mean it. Like that she, that even though this may seem like kind of a boring little life that they have, they are truly happy and truly in love, yeah, and that's absolutely. all. And that's all they need, you know. And well, they this and the two more scene, months thing, like it's a beautiful. Oh my god, so beautiful, so sweet.
2: Norm's got that little smug look on his face, but he's like, it's just the three cents. (laughs) But
1: people, when they raise the postage, (laughs) people need need the three cents. little (laughs) little
2: stamps. And it wasn't that long after that that they raised it to 32. So there you go, Norm. (laughs)
1: That's true.
0: Okay.
2: And it feels like this is the beginning of him having more success in his career, you Mm -hmm. know? And where Marge says to him, you know, we're doing pretty good, Norm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, says, and he just says, "She's I love thinking. You Margie. She's thinking of the whole money. She's thinking of that whole situation when she says that. Yeah, absolutely. And, that's and, exactly what she means. Just, uh,
2: I love you, Margie, and I love you, Norm. Two more months. Mm-hmm. So there's like this beautiful family unit at yeah. the end. It's almost. It's almost like this nativity <laughs> in, a, in a weird way. I mean, it's just, sorry to bring that in, but it's but there's a sort of an immaculate beauty to that." final shot and those final moments and it's unsentimental but it's also beautiful and just perfectly i know captured uh and yeah it's one
1: of those things where yeah what a picture what a picture yeah it's one of those things where it's like that's something i probably always should have seen from that scene But I just I didn't I didn't fully connect with it until this time, which is yeah. a really cool thing that happens a lot whenever we go back to movies. Like when you think you you know it so well because it's just so familiar and you know all the lines. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. watching a movie at a different times in your life absolutely yeah. has changed my perspective so many times on so many different movies, and this is another one which is really cool. I love yeah, I love seeing it's,
0: that.
2: It's just. Just brilliant! What a picture! (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Side note: Have you ever seen the movie Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter? No. (laughs) I saw it for the first time this last year, and it is. It's based on an urban legend that uh, someone that a woman from Japan uh, saw Fargo and thought it was real. Oh, yeah. Because of the opening. Title thing, and went to Minnesota looking for the money. Obviously, many years after, it would have been long gone, right? If this happened in 1987, and froze to death out in. I've
1: heard, I've heard that. Okay. The yeah.
2: The movie's actually really pretty good. I mean, it's not Fargo good, but it's pretty good, and it's a nice little movie, and I I enjoyed that. It's hard to see, unfortunately, at the moment. I had to get it on a on a Blu-ray that was a little bit hard to find. It wasn't super expensive, but yeah, it was, it's a nice movie. I I enjoyed it. So if you happen to track it down and obviously the Coens would have had to have something to do with it because there's actual footage from Fargo shown in the movie. So um, I've been on like a ratty VHS tape, but it's there. So, but it's a, it's, it's sort of um, a response to the, This is a true story thing, but it's also based on this urban legend and it's Mm. also so it's sort of got this meta text to it that's pretty fun. Okay. I guess it's time to move on. (laughs) Sad because I just wanna live in this movie, you know.
1: You can always watch it again.
2: Always watch it again. It's always there. So next time, um we've got actually our next episode planned. I know it's been yeah. a while, go <laughs> but we actually have it, have it ready we just to did go. This, like a
1: couple days ago we planned. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we decided what we're going to do next time. So uh, we thought, okay, there's a movie coming out. It's going to come out a little bit after the episode oh, right. drops, but that's okay. Uh, it's a movie from Blumhouse called imaginary, which who knows if that'll be good or not based on Blumhouse's first uh, release of this year. Probably not, but Hey, That's just me. Well, and Michelle, because neither of us really cared for Night Swim. Okay, end of negativity.
1: Hey, now. Stop that.
2: Sorry. End of of story. End of story. Um, (laughs) But uh, so we're going to grab a couple of movies that we've been talking about for a while about this episode, uh, which is Imaginary Friends. So we've got old school and a little bit newer uh, for this one. It's always fun when we can do an old movie and a newer movie. Yeah,
1: totally. What's the old movie first?
2: Yeah, the my pick is a movie that I really love with one of my all-time favorite actors, uh, Jimmy Stewart. The movie is uh, Harvey, so from 1950, a uh, Henry Coster movie. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a dark undertone to it, I think we'll get into, but I think that'll be interesting to talk about uh, in such a, a movie that's sort of thought of as a lighthearted hearted comedy romp for the whole family there's definitely some stuff going on so but i'm looking forward to watching that one again and talking about
1: that one well and mine is actually kind of a similar thing where it is mostly a comedy but it definitely has some some darkness and some some reality to it um this will be another first time watch for brian which i'm excited about um, yep. A movie that I have loved for a very, very long time from 1991, Drop Dead Fred.
2: Yes, I bought the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray specifically for this purpose.
1: I'm thinking, so. I'm hoping you won't regret it. I, I This is a very... It's, honestly watching it again because i bought that too and i hadn't seen it in so long it it was one of those more. it was like not just nostalgia it was like it was actually better than i remembered it so oh
2: really i'm hoping that's good to hear yeah
1: hoping you feel the same way
2: yeah i'm i mean i guess i saw the previews for it when i when it came out and i was like no thanks but i i was a little old for it i felt but I've said that before and changed my mind when I actually saw the
1: movie. Trust me. So, Trust me here. Yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, I do.
2: I do. So, it's fun finally, you know, scratching some of these movies off my list that have been on it for a long time. So, there looking forward to that. Okay. So, you can find me on the socials at Brian Waves 42.
1: You can sometimes maybe or not find me on Instagram at Michelle Egan. <laughs>
2: And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod, uh, rate and review on Apple iTunes. uh, All that good stuff, please. Yeah, Spotify everywhere. So if you can drop us a line, that really would help us out. Uh, We've had a little bit of growth in our audience. Uh, See some of the numbers hitting a regular number lately, which has been kind of fun to see. Uh, So if we could continue to increase that that would be great and we'd love to hear from you if you are enjoying the show.
1: <laughs> that would be lovely. Thank you. That would be lovely.
2: Okay now what we're gonna do, huh?
1: We'll see you all next time.
2: Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah <laughs>